Hey everyone, Greg Schutz here for ReadyForTheDraft.com and the Ready For The Draft podcast, episode 13. Releasing this episode just a few days later than normal. Did have a birthday over the weekend, so got to enjoy some of that uh, celebration. And uh, because of that, releasing this on a Sunday, but we do have week 11 and week 12 of the college football season to get to. But really the bulk of this podcast, I really want to dedicate to guys that are flying under the radar a little bit. Uh, you know, we know who who people have been talking about. This is the Nick Bosa, Ed Oliver, Quinn and Williams type draft, very defense heavy. You know, we've talked about uh, all of the defensive prospects at the top of the board, but who are the guys that are flying under the radar? You know, that's really one of the biggest things that I want to talk about. You know, last season, everyone was talking about Sam Darnold. People were talking about Josh Rosen, Josh Allen. But there was Baker Mayfield this entire time. And if you go back, you go back to my very first mock draft back in January, you'll see Baker Mayfield's name as the number one overall pick. Why did I change it? I honestly didn't think John Dorsey would make that that move, that bold move to bring in Baker Mayfield. But look, if you wanted to change the losing culture in Cleveland, you draft Baker Mayfield. And I've been saying that from day one, and, and you see exactly where he's at. You know, Baker Mayfield uh, is uh, a franchise quarterback, and you see what he's doing there in Cleveland, changing the culture uh, week by week. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see who's going to be the head coach there in Cleveland uh, pairing up with, with Baker Mayfield. But, you know, who's going to be the next guy to, to, to step up there at the quarterback position? Not sure that there is anyone in this year's draft looking ahead to the, the 2020 draft when you have Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, chances are Justin Herbert's going to be coming back for another season, so he'll be available. You'll also have Dwayne Haskins more than likely being available. And the question will be whether or not Daniel Jones uh, comes back for his senior season. And we'll be talking about him here in just a minute. But you know, as we go through each of these positions, I really want to call out some guys that – you may not be getting quite the uh, publicity as as uh, you know some some other uh, draft prospects may be. Although you know most of these guys are probably well known in the draft circles. But before we get to that, let's take a look at the last couple of weeks. You know, the one thing that we can say is the the uh, FBS, you know, the college football playoff rankings. Um, you know, really hadn't changed, you know, between week 11 and week 12, you know, Bama at the top, followed by Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan, uh, Georgia, Oklahoma, LSU, Washington State, uh, West Virginia, Ohio State, and UCF. Uh, you know, Ohio State had a scare you know, against Maryland, and, uh, you know, we also saw West Virginia go down to defeat against Oklahoma State this past weekend. Uh, UCF is a team that is going to be on the move. That's a team that's going to be definitely on the rise. Um, AP polls already been released. UCF, uh, leapfro- uh, excuse me, leapfrogging uh, LSU, Ohio State, and Texas, moving up three spots, sitting there at number eight in the AP poll. It'll be interesting to see if the uh, – um, College Football Playoff Committee agrees with that because if you look at everything else, you know, the way that this is shaking out, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan, Georgia, Oklahoma, Washington State, and then UCF uh, in the AP. So I, I would anticipate that the College Football Playoff may very well look similar. What UCF did against Cincinnati this past weekend, um, I think that proves, uh, you know, once again, they're playing a, a top-notch team, a, a in the American Conference, and the way Luke Fickle had that team prepared and, and upset-minded, um, you know, against UCF and uh, UCF at home just dominating, you know, 38-13. Uh, Mackenzie Milton 
you know, just 13 to 25, you know, for 268 yards, three touchdowns on the day. Um, you know, that defense just holding Mike Warren, you know, that's really the biggest key is, is Michael Warren uh, held to just 81 yards on the ground. You know, he's known as the truck and, uh, he'll be a guy that we'll be talking about here, um, in draft classes, um, you know, in, in the seasons to come, but UCF really getting the job done on, on the ground. Greg McRae, uh, Adrian Killens running the football well for UCF, um, so they get the W there against Cincinnati this past weekend. Um, you know, really the, the biggest things, if we look at week, let's see, week 11, you know, Clemson handling Boston College 27-7. to um, Notre Dame handing uh, Florida State a huge loss, 42-13. to um, Dexter Williams, again, here's a name to, to, to really make sure that you're aware of. You know, Dexter Williams, not so much in my... Um, guys flying under the radar because I think since he's come back, you see what Notre Dame has done. You know, a lot of people are talking about Ian Book coming in at quarterback, replacing Brandon Wimbush. I'd argue that the the addition of Dexter Williams, who went for uh, 202 yards and two touchdowns on 20 carries there against Florida State, um, his addition I think has really made uh, Notre Dame. You know, they, they've been able to attack defense or attack defenses you know both through the air and on the ground now and just uh, that home run threat um he, he's a chance to go every time he touches the football uh, georgia beating auburn um 27 to 10 handing auburn their fourth loss on the season uh deandre swift you know 186 yards on the ground and a touchdown um you know deandre swift he's going to be a fun guy to watch um you know for next year's draft a guy who you know is the lightning to elijah Hol- holyfield's thunder um, but, uh, you know, I think the thing with, with DeAndre Swift that you really come to appreciate is that stiff arm when he gets to the corner, uh, really planting him and, and driving him into the ground. Um, Oklahoma, the number six Sooners, uh, took down Oklahoma state 48, 47. Um, I was there at Bedlam, enjoyed that game went down to the wire, a two point conversion, Mike Gundy deciding to go for it with just over a minute to play. And, uh, Taylor Cornelius, unfortunately was not able to, uh, uh, to hook up there, or fortunately, if you're a Sooner uh, Sooner fan, um, but uh, Sooners they they survived there. They also put, uh, gave up over 30 points against uh, Kansas this past uh, this past weekend. Uh, 95 total points scored between OU and and Kansas, and, and that's the one thing that I think the FBS, uh, the, the College Football Playoff Committee, is is really going to be frowning upon is is the fact that OU really doesn't play much defense. But uh, when you have an offense that uh, is being led by Kyler Murray, you have the best offensive line in all of college football. Um, I'm going to be making a change here to uh, some of my offensive line rankings because of that line, and uh, you know at the end of the day. If I'd love to give a chance to see what OU's offense could do against a defense like Michigan or Alabama. So as we go through the rest of the schedule, Kentucky going down to Tennessee, uh, twenty-four to seven, you know, and uh, Florida ultimately eking out the win, thirty-five thirty-one, scoring fourteen unanswered in the fourth quarter to beat the Gamecocks. Uh, Texas against Texas Tech. That was another fun game down to the wire. Uh, Texas Tech, you know, feverishly coming back uh, under the, the the guidance of Jet Duffy at quarterback. Um, and one of my receivers, the sleepers, uh, Antoine Win. Uh, I'm sorry, Antoine Wesley, the number two, um, you know, ranked number two in, in all of FBS in, in receiving yards. So it's it's hardly flying under the radar. 
in terms of the stats, but he's he's a junior, 6'5", 200 pounds. Um, I, I don't know that anyone really is looking at him as a, as a pro prospect outside of some of the draft circles, but he's a guy that uh, can stretch defenses. He's very long, athletic, and uh, you know, can go up and get and, and attack the football in the air. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, Texas was able to pull out the win there. You know, as we scroll through some of the rest of the games, you know, really it looks like, you know, we get through. See if I can find anything else here. You know, what, let's go ahead. You know, we'll transition to week 12 this past weekend. So if you're scoring at home, that will be November 17th, uh, that weekend of play. And, uh, you know, Alabama, you know, not much of a scare. Uh, Citadel, uh, you know, 10-10 at the half. And then Alabama went ahead and, and put up 40, uh, outscored them 40-7 to seven in the, the final two quarters, ultimately winning 50-17. to 17. Uh, Clemson, 35-6 to six against Duke. Um, ultimately, you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence throwing for 251 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Travis Etienne, 81 yards on the ground and a couple of scores as well. Daniel Jones, 24-43 for a, a buck 58. And, uh, you know, 12 carries for seven yards. You know, it's one of those things when you're going up against a defense that is as um, highly touted as Clemson. Um, you know, at the at the end of end of the day, you know, they make a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of good quarterbacks, look bad. And uh, so, I don't know that you can necessarily knock Daniel Jones and his draft stock just because of that that game there against Clemson. Uh, Notre Dame taking out Syracuse, 12th ranked Orange. Um, you know, played them at uh, Yankee Stadium. Notre Dame wins 36 to three. And uh, book, uh, Ian Book, you know, uh, 292 yards through the air, two touchdowns. Uh, Dexter Williams, you know, another 74 yards on the ground in the score. Uh, as we scroll through some of these games, like I said, uh, OU, it was 55-40 was the final there uh, in that game. You know, they gave up 252 yards to the fabulous freshman Puka Williams. Um, had two touchdowns on the day as well. Uh, let's see, Washington State hung up 55 in the first half uh, against Arizona, Carter Minshew throwing for seven touchdowns, uh, 473 yards through the air, um, through 55 passes, just 12 incompletions. Um, you know, Oklahoma State, you know, 45-41. West Virginia tried to drive down and uh, for the game-winning score. Will Greer had already done that previously against Texas, just was unable to make that final pass with just one second to play. Uh, still finished today, 364 yards, two touchdowns. Not the most efficient day, though, 27 to 48. Um, but, uh, you know, Oklahoma State showing that they can uh, come out on top. Ohio State, 52-51, like I said, in overtime. Number 10 ranked uh, Buckeyes. You had, you know, Dwayne Haskins, 405 yards passing, three touchdowns on the day. But uh, defensively, Anthony McFarland, you know, 298 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. Um, you know, Maryland, you know, hung in there with with the Buckeyes. And, uh, you know, Buckeyes really show that they're not really the 10th-ranked team in the country. Um, they still were able to eke out the win, but, you know, when you look at that that FBS poll or the college football playoff poll, um, I have a feeling that they're going to be moving the Buckeyes down on that list. Uh, Texas at number fifteen, taking out the Cyclones. Iowa State number sixteen in the country. Uh, you know, twenty four to ten. You know, really setting them up nicely. Um, 
as a possible candidate for the Big 12 championship, possibly a you know a rematch against OU. Uh, let's see, what else do we have? Florida State, 22-21 winners against the number 20-ranked Boston College uh, Eagles. Uh, A.J. Dillon did uh, rush for 116 yards and a couple of touchdowns, but uh, DeAndre Francois, um, you know, 322 yards through the air to score, leading the Seminoles to victory. Uh, Northwestern setting themselves up for the Big Big 10 um, West Championship. So they're, or I'm sorry, Big 12 West champs, uh, Big 10 I'll get this right at some point. Big Ten West champs, um, so they're they're waiting uh, the the winner ultimately between Michigan and, and Ohio State, uh, but uh, Wildcats number twenty two in the country, twenty four to fourteen winners over the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Uh, Clayton Thorson, pretty efficient day, fifteen to twenty one for two hundred thirty yards uh, to lead them to victory. Utah State, you know, here's a team that's kind of quietly, uh, you know, having a ten win season. They're seven and zero in Mountain West play, uh, twenty three, uh, ranked twenty three in the country. Survived the upset bid um, in Fort Collins against Colorado State, 29-24. Ultimately, you know, pulling out the victory there. Um, You know, there was a a, a pass, you know, by by Colorado State um, at the end of the game. You know, Colin Hill, 34-yard pass to to Preston Williams, who's another guy. You know, if if, you know, I'm already kind of plugging some of some of the guys that I have on my list, but he's he's one of my guys that uh, is kind of flying under under the radar a little bit. But uh, essentially, that pass was negated by a penalty, which ultimately gave Utah State the Aggies the win. Um, you know, game that was played in snow and freezing rain. Um, let's see, do we have anything else that we can talk about? USC, the Trojans going down to to the Bruins, thirty four twenty seven. Um, you know, I, I know that the the administration doesn't really want to get rid of Clay Helton just yet, um, but they may not have a choice. You know, they're playing Notre Dame. I don't see any chance of them winning a five and seven record coming off of a Pac twelve championship. Um, I know that they had a, a a true freshman quarterback coming in there. Should have been a, a high school senior. Um, you know, but he came. You know, uh, reclassified as a as a freshman to start there at USC, um, but uh, you know, with with the recruiting class and, and where they've been, um, you know, a five and seven record is just unacceptable for the Trojans. So you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens there. I think they have to make wholesale changes, if anything else, because you're basically you lose to a, a, a two and eight UCLA, your, your crosstown rival. That's not going to sit well with uh, with Trojan alums and, and boosters. I'll tell you that. Uh, Pittsburgh, ACC, uh, you know, they, they win the, win their half of the division, uh, you know, seven and four record, but six and one in ACC play taking out Wake Forest, 34 to 13, a couple of running backs there, you know, for Pitt jumping on my radar, um, you know, not, not the most efficient day for, for Pittsburgh on the ground. Um, if I take a look at, at where everything was there, you know, we did have a, a Darren Hall two-yard touchdown, um, but uh, most of the damage was really done through the air. Kenny Pickett uh, throwing over 316 yards and three touchdowns. Wake pretty stout up front. You know, they have Zeke Rodney and, and Willie Yarbury who have a chance to be day three guys in the draft. Um, you know, really holding you know Kadri Allison to just 52 yards and, and Darren Hill to the 44 yards and just the uh, you know the two yard touchdown. Uh, no runs beyond uh, beyond 17 uh, for the entire game. Um, so Wake Forest doing a pretty good job 
shutting things down with the run, but uh, Pitt ultimately uncharacteristically winning through the air. They're more known for their running back play. So uh, at the end of the day, you know, Pitt and, and Pat Narduzzi, you know, they'll be ultimately, let's see, you know, they'll be, you know, getting a chance to square off with, with Clemson. So, you know, that'll be an interesting game to watch to say the least. Um, so let's see, let's get into really what I wanted to talk about more than anything else. And that's a lot of guys that'll be flying under the radar. Uh, so some, we know who, who our top prospects are. And I'll kind of mention some of those as we go position by position, but then we'll get into talking about some of these guys, names to know names to, if you, if you don't already know them, you know, then start getting used to them because these are going to be guys that are going to be going through the draft process. Um, you know, and I've been excited to get to watch the majority of these guys play at least once. Um, so I can speak to, um, you know, some of that level of play for each of these prospects. Um, so we're going to start off with the quarterback position and look, you know, I've already said that, you know, I'm not including any, uh, underclassmen until January because really at this point I'm looking at all of the underclassmen and I feel that every single one of them should be coming back to, uh, to school. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, Ryan Finley's really been exposed with that, that lack of arm strength and, uh, you know, those rainbow throws, not really being able to push the football down the field. If he's not in rhythm, if he's under pressure, um, then that can get him into trouble. I've dropped him in my list. Um, you know, right now I have him, uh, if you were to tune into the website right now, I'm going to get it updated, though. I want to move Will Greer to number one, Drew Locke number two, Ryan Finley number three. Um, you know, I, I think Will Greer has, has continued to show that he has that moxie. You know, you're looking for a quarterback with the it factor. Will Greer has that. Is he going to be a first-round pick? No. You know, he may not even be a second-round pick, but he's one of those guys who has starter potential because of the fact that he has that pocket presence. He has the ability to push the football down the field, but he has that it factor. You're looking for a guy like Baker Mayfield, a guy who can lead an offense, you know, has some of that swagger. Will Greer has that. And I think, you know, if you look at all these quarterbacks, the senior quarterbacks in this class, he's the guy that stands out to me. So I talked about Daniel Jones, and a lot of people are talking about him as a potential first-round pick, especially because he, uh, David Cutcliffe, the quarterback whisperer, um, is is head coach there uh, for the Duke Blue Devils. So you know Daniel Jones, you know, is is the latest you know in a number of of uh, pro prospects, most notably uh, the Manning brothers, to have been coached by by David Cutcliffe. But I wanted to take a look at his stats and just kind of really take a look at you know where he's been. Um, you know, career-wise, you know how he compares with with Eli, and uh, you know, and and Peyton, and where they were uh, as juniors, like Daniel Jones is, and then you know some of that progression. So if we look at, you know, first of all, Peyton Manning, you know, as a junior, you know, sixty-three point nine percent of his passes, um, you know, three hundred uh, three thousand eighty-seven yards, twenty touchdowns, twelve interceptions. As a senior, comes back, you know, sixty point two percent, you know, uh, over thirty eight hundred yards, thirty nine touchdowns, and eleven interceptions. Was the Heisman uh, runner up that year? Um, finished his career, you know, he was a sixty two point five percent passer, over eleven hundred yards, eighty nine touchdowns, and thirty three interceptions. But you saw that development from his junior to senior year, where he really took his game to the next level. Same, same with Eli. As a junior, just 58% passing, uh, 3,401 yards and and 21 touchdowns with 15 interceptions. As a senior, 62.4% passing, um, you know, with uh, 
can't read my notes, but it looks like 3,600 yards, uh, 29 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions. So he finishes his career out as a 60.8% passer, 10,119 yards with 81 touchdowns and 35 interceptions. You you see, again, that progression from his junior to senior year, a 58% passer to 62.4, cut down on the interceptions, increase in the total number of touchdowns. So Daniel Jones, as a junior, 60.3%, passing uh you know with uh 2106 yards uh passing through you know and and really what you have to think about here is is he does have that broken clavicle he, he which caused him to miss some games uh 16 touchdowns six interceptions career thus far 59.8 uh you know with, for 7,823 yards with 46 touchdowns 26 interceptions you know, what I'm looking at with that stat line, though, 60.3% passing, you know, 16 touchdowns, six interceptions. You know, I, I'm excited at the possibility of seeing what uh, Daniel or David Cutcliffe could do with Daniel Jones at the next level, um, you know, or moving as he moves on at, to a, a senior season. I really don't think that Daniel Jones should be coming out for his senior, or I'm, I'm sorry, for his, uh, you know, into the NFL after his junior season because. One more year under David Cutcliffe, we've already seen that with Eli and Peyton, they can make that development and that move. You know, and, and the biggest thing when I look at the quarterback position, the guy that I can point to the most in, in terms of growth from the junior to senior year uh, recently is Dak Prescott. As a junior, this guy was a an athlete who just happened to be playing quarterback, but as a senior, the the growth and the development, he was a quarterback who just happened to be a great athlete, and. You know, that was really, you know, you saw so much growth and so much development from his junior to senior seasons. If there's any any chance that I'm looking at a, at a quarterback that, uh, you know, there's a question about where their play is or where they might be, could he still be a first-round pick because of his athleticism, because of his potential? Absolutely. But if I'm, you know, Daniel Jones, you know, I, I'd much rather come back play for David Cutcliffe one more year, learn from him, watch that development from his junior to senior season. And I'm telling you, even though, you know, you've got Justin Herbert and you've got Tua Tonga-Vailoa, you know, and Dwayne Haskins in that group, Daniel Jones could very well make a play for the number one quarterback taken in the draft, um, you know, if he can take the swing that I'm expecting him to make from his junior to his senior season. So, who might be flying under the radar? I'll give you a name. You know, I've got David Blau sitting there at number nine on my rankings right now from our senior quarterbacks. 6'1, 205 pounds. You know, leading Purdue this year, you know, 3,200 yards passing, uh, 22 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Um, you know, pretty efficient passer overall. Uh, pretty good arm strength. Still makes some, uh, some poor decisions. Um, at inopportune times, but uh, you know, a guy who's starting to move up some draft boards a little bit. But I'll give you a name who's probably not going to be drafted. Um, you know, and I want to make a comparison to a quarterback who recently uh, got a start there for his uh, in the NFL. And I want to talk about Gus Ragland. He's the quarterback for uh, for Miami of Ohio. Uh, 6'1", 218 pounds, sixty point three percent career passer. Um, you know, and this is really his first season with full stats. Um, you know, he's he struggled with with some injuries, but uh, you know, twenty three, little just under twenty four hundred uh, yards passing, uh, sixteen touchdowns, three interceptions. Um, 
355 attempts um, and 867 career rushing yards uh, for for Gus. Um, but if you look at Nick Mullins, you know I was talking about a comp and, and Nick Mullins, six one, 187 pounds out of Southern Miss, um, played there from uh, you know 2013 to 2016, a 60% passer. Um, there is a disparity in the passing yards. You know, he has over 12, 12,000 or nearly 12,000 yards passing. Uh, but, uh, you know, the so, uh, Southern Miss, you know, really, you know, aired out the football while Nick Mullins was there. 87 touchdowns, 46 interceptions. Um, you know, so if you look at that, that the difference there too, 200, uh, 24 touchdowns, 11 interceptions on 384 attempts uh, in his senior season. So if you look at at where they're at, you know I think Gus Ragland does make some good decisions. I think he does have some zip on the football. Um, I think he's limited a little bit athletically. He's only six one, um, but a good athlete, a guy who can make some decisions outside the pocket, and uh, a guy who, like I said, I don't think he's going to get drafted. He'll probably end up being a, a priority free agent, but I think he's a guy who's going to stick it with a team at some point, and uh, you know could be a quality backup, possibly even get a, a spot start here or there. So. When you look at the quarterback position and and you're trying to determine who might make that transition to the next level, um, you know, you're looking at quite a few of the the FCS quarterbacks as well. And you know, one name that obviously sticks out is Easton Stick out of North Dakota State, uh, 6'2", uh, 220 pounds, um, you know, big kid, uh, 22 touchdowns and just four interceptions. Very efficient passer. Um, you know, 171.1, um, you know, quarterback rating there, there in terms of passing efficiency, um, just 2,094 yards passing. But if you remember when Carson Wentz came out, um, you know, as, as the, as a Bison quarterback, he, he didn't have numbers that are going to be, you know, jaw dropping, you know, he's not like, uh, you know, not like some of the other guys there in this draft class, but, uh, you know, he makes good decisions, um, very efficient passer, and uh, if you haven't gotten a chance to watch him, you know, like I haven't gotten to see him uh, this year just yet. Um, you've got the FCS um, playoffs, and the North Dakota State Bison are the uh, number one seed, so you'll get to watch them play here uh, coming up shortly. Looking at some of the other some of the other names, you know, you've got uh, Devlin Hodges from Samford. Um, who actually broke uh, the late Steve McNair's FCS record with 14,584 yards passing. Um, you know, a guy who definitely airs the football out. Uh, 32 touchdowns, 16 interceptions, throwing for f- over 4,200 yards this season. Um, you know, and then um, a- another quarterback, Anthony Lawrence, uh, 6'1", 195 pounds out of San Diego. Uh, San Diego is in the F- uh, FCS playoff. Um, you know, he's thrown for... Um, you know, 3,700 yards passing, 35 touchdowns, just seven interceptions, pass efficiency of, uh, you know, 178.6, uh, which leads the FCS. Um, so quarterback play, you know, if you want to take a look at that FCS uh, playoffs, then uh, North Dakota State, San Diego are two teams to keep an eye out for. Moving on to the running back position, you know, and, and looking at running back, you know, it's, it's one of those to where, you know, there are a lot of guys that are in here who could be be quality 
um, change of pace backs or, or backups, but not a guy who I think is going to necessarily be the bell cow. I still have David Montgomery sitting there at number one. Um, you know, there was that uh, incident against Baylor, uh, throwing some punches and ultimately got ejected from the game. Um, but 5'11, 216 pounds, the junior, uh, excellent lateral movement, um, you know, speed, um, you know, combined with the power. Um, you know, Damian Harris of Alabama, I've got him at number two. And then uh, Travion Williams. You know, when we talk about guys flying under the radar, people are talking about all these other running backs, and I don't know why they're not talking about Travion Williams. And here's why. Uh, 297 carries, 1,326 yards, and uh, and 11 touchdowns, but he also is doing it, um, you know, with his hands. You know, he's an excellent receiver, 25 receptions, 272 yards. Um, you know, this is a guy over 3,000 yards in his career, uh, 27 touchdowns, and uh, 64 receptions. Um, you know, for the Aggies, 5'9", 200 pounds, just a junior. But uh, if he comes out in this draft, he's a guy who I think could be a day two pick. Uh, another guy, you know, that uh, is is should be moving up draft boards if he hasn't already is, is Daryl Henderson out of Memphis. Another junior, um, you know, with, uh, you know, leading... Actually, I'm sorry. He's not leading the the country in, in rushing because uh, you actually have the sophomore out of Wisconsin... Um, Jonathan Taylor, who's actually leading the the country in rushing, um, had another big day against Purdue. Um, you know, in in the the overtime win over the Boilermakers. But uh, I'm trying to pull up the exact stats here. But uh, oops, that's. Let's see if I can get there. As I'm flipping through here, you know, the, the thing that's so exciting about, about Daryl Henderson is he's a threat to go the distance um, on, on any play. The, the acceleration is, you know, he's just so sudden and uh, the lateral quickness and his burst, um, you know, to get to the hole in a hurry. So he's at, at 1,521 yards and just 174 carries, 17 touchdowns on the year. Mentioned Jonathan Taylor. He's sitting at 1,869 yards, 15 touchdowns for uh, for the Badgers who you know having a down year. And I mentioned Travion Williams. He's actually the number three rusher. So Taylor, Henderson, and then Williams. Um, you know, Taylor's only a sophomore, so we'll be talking about him in next year's draft. But Travion Williams and, and Daryl Henderson are two guys who I think can make a play um, to be one of those running backs sitting there behind uh, Damian Harris of, of Alabama and, and uh, David Montgomery of uh, of Iowa State. Uh, you know Bryce Love right now, you know, that ankle, and you know if you're an NFL franchise, you have to sit there and really ask yourself. You know, it, Bryce Bryce Love with the with with the ankle injuries had a high ankle sprain a season ago, well over two thousand yards rushing though, and was the Heisman runner up. Uh, we know you know the, the the stats and and just how many uh, plays over 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 yards. You know, just you know was a dynamic athlete. Um, but the issue was again the high ankle sprain, and uh, had he been healthy, the numbers would have been even more staggering. But uh, you know, ultimately. It seemed like just about every time he got tackled, he was hobbling over to the sideline and then uh, would get back and, and do it all over again. But, you know, 263 carries, uh, you know, 2,118 yards, uh, 8.1 yards per carry, 19 touchdowns uh, a season ago. This year, just eight games, 580 yards on the ground, um, you know, 4.8 average, which is the lowest of his career, and five touchdowns. You know, he, he actually has been. Uh, 
you know, more, more involved in the passing game, you know, 16 receptions. That's the most since his freshman year when he was sharing the backfield with Christian McCaffrey. Um, but like I said, if you're an NFL franchise, the ankle injury, that's one of the things that's been a recurring injury this entire season. You know, he, he's already had the injury and then every time he seems to be healed, healed up enough to play, um, either the first or second carry, he seems to, to get rolled up on, you know, uh, while someone's chasing him down to make a tackle and his ankle gets rolled up on, you know, the, the ankles and the tendons, you know, if he's more susceptible to getting that, that ankle rolled and, uh, you know, for someone his size, guys are going to have to go low, um, in, in order to tackle him. So if they're wrapping this guy up, they're going after those ankles and those ankles aren't holding up. You know, that's something that's really going to be a concern. And I wouldn't be surprised if Bryce Love ends up slipping all the way to day three because of those ankles. So the running backs. Who else do we have flying under the radar? You know, Ryquel Armstead at a temple uh, is one guy. You know, 5'11", 215 pounds, over 1,000 yards this season now with, with 13 touchdowns, uh, 2,700 yards um, in his career, 33 touchdowns. Um, you know, last season had 12 touchdowns, 978 yards, 5.5 yards per carry. Um, you know, Raquel Armstead is, is a guy who, you know, is, you know, has that, that blend of, of speed and power. You know, another guy who sets up his blocks very well, um, you know, and, and uses some of his lateral quickness to uh, to put his foot in the ground and, and get to the hole. Very patient runner as well. Um, you know, he and Karan Higdon uh, out of Michigan are the two that I think are going to get drafted a lot higher than uh, I think people might have expected at the beginning of the season. Karan Higdon, 5'10", 202 pounds, um, you know, over 1,100 yards um, on the ground so far this season, 6.1 yards per carry and 11 touchdowns. I think when you look at the yards per carry, that's one of the things that teams are going to be looking for, guys that are able to uh, consistently you know, churn out yards. Um, you know, and, and looking at my, my top 10, I've got Raquel Armstead sitting in my top 10. I need to make a place for uh, Karan Higdon uh, to do that as well. As we move a little bit further down into the draft, um, you know, you have a guy like, you know, the two guys from Pitt, uh, Darren Hall, who's 5'11", 225 pounds, explosive back, um, you know, and uh, let's see, you know, just 96 carries, but 844 yards. So that's 8.8 yards per carry and uh, nine touchdowns. Not a whole lot of wear on wear and tear on those those legs there for Darren Hall. Sharing the backfield with Kadri Allison, who's a little bit of a bigger back. He's 6'2", 225 pounds, a little bit more upright, you know, downhill type of runner, whereas Darren Hall uh, wants to put his foot in the ground and get, uh, um, you know, is a little bit more elusive. Um, you know, Kadri Allison's more of a one-cut-and-go type of guy. Um, he's over 1,000 yards, 1,064 yards, 7.8 yards per carry, 10 touchdowns. So I, I think that's another thing that you know to call out is you know Pitt with that running game. You know they're going to be they're going to be a tough team. You know it'll be interesting to watch them against against uh, you know against Clemson. You know I want to see what those running backs are going to be able to do. Um, can we get either Darren Hall or Kadri Allison going? Um, really want to see. You know obviously the offensive line are they going to be able to open up holes for these guys? But if so, you know I want to see what that uh, that duo, the Thunder and Lightning uh, pairing there for for the Pitt Panthers. Uh, I'll be interested to see what happens there. Uh, Jordan Ellis out of Virginia, 5'10", 225 pounds, another downhill runner, one cut and go type of guy. You know, he sees the hole, he gets to the hole. Um, 
But, uh, you know, in 2018, so far, 835 yards, 5.1 yards per carry, eight touchdowns on the year. Um, but like I said, a guy who wants to get north and south, very physical runner, um, you know, a guy who I think could get a lot of the tough yards for for a team, um, especially in, in short yardage situations. And I'll give you a, a guy, when we think of smaller running backs, we see what uh, what, what uh, Tariq, uh, Tariq Cohen is doing, uh, Tariq Cohen is, is doing for Chicago. Uh, how about Lexington Thomas out of UNLV, 5'9", 170 pounds. Uh, you know, 587 carries, a lot of wear on those legs, uh, 3,385 yards, 5.8 yards per carry, 33 touchdowns in his career for the Rebels, uh, 41 receptions uh, for over 400 yards, uh, and, and two touchdowns in his career. Uh, very dynamic back, um, explosive. Um, I liked what he did against USC, um, well over 100 yards in that game. Um, so someone who who's definitely um, a, a guy who could be a versatile back, a change of pace type of guy. Um, and if you're looking at the FCS level, I'm sorry, before we get to the FCS, one other guy to think of, um, he's a junior. But uh, the Illinois transfer that went to Vanderbilt, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, um, you know, 100, I'm sorry, 976 yards, 10 touchdowns um, for Vaughn, who's 5'10", 215 pounds. I think what was so impressive watching Vanderbilt play was just how explosive he is. Um, you know, you get the ball in his hands and he's a threat to go to the distance at any point. Um, you know, he goes down to injury and Vanderbilt is a much different looking team. But uh, when you have him out there, um, you know, Vanderbilt was a threat to beat anybody there in the SEC, uh, obviously with the exception of a, of, of a select few. But, um, you know, he, he, he does have the... You know he's he's dynamic, um, and and really I'd love to see him come back uh, to the Commodores for one more season, get a little bit of polish to his game, and uh, you know he can make a play to be one of the top five backs taken in next year's draft. Um, so let's go ahead and move back to the FCS guys that I wanted to mention: Ryan Fulce out of Wagner, five um, eleven, you know one hundred ninety five pounds, very dynamic back, um, over thirteen hundred yards um, on the year. For, I'm sorry, 1,700 yards. Trying to read my writing here. Uh, 1,784 yards, 12 touchdowns in his last game. Uh, 34 carries, 303 yards, and three touchdowns. Um, you know, dynamic back. Haven't had a chance to watch him yet. I'm, I'm going to be looking forward to putting it on the tape to watch Ryan Foles play. Um, Tevin McCall, um, I'm sorry, Tevin McCaster out of Youngstown State, 5'10", 195 pounds, over 1,200 yards, 12 touchdowns, and then I'll give you a, a fullback uh, to keep an eye out for, and that's Cal Poly's Joe uh, uh, Prothero, um, 1,810 yards, 13 touchdowns, he's 5'11", 230 pounds, a guy who I need to put into my top 10 in terms of my, my fullbacks, I think of a guy like Ryan Nall. Um, out of Oregon State, you know, this was the guy who, you know, was was mostly a, a guy who was going to, um, you know, I, I thought he had a good burst, um, still rushed for, you know, rushed for over a thousand yards, but wasn't a guy who was ever going to be a burner, and uh, you know, was ultimately, you know, brought into the Bears organization. Um, let's see, let's take a look and see what Ryan's up to these days. There for the Bears. Um, let's see. He finished his career with the Beavers. Um, 2,216 yards, 24 touchdowns. 
Um, signed as an undrafted free agent, put on the practice squad, um, but a guy who I think the Bears can develop a little bit. You know, obviously, they have Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen as their top two backs, but uh, Joe Prothero will be a guy to kind of keep an eye on as a potential uh, you know, priority free agent, uh, a guy who definitely can, uh, can carry the rock a little bit. Switching gears to the, the wide receiver position, and uh, obviously when you look at the wide receivers, um, you know, the, the, the size is one of the things that you definitely have to talk about. Um, you know, AJ Brown, 6'1", 230 pounds. Nikhil Harry, 6'4", 213 pounds. Hakeem Butler, the junior out of Iowa State, really making a name for himself, 6'6", 225 pounds. Uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, 6'3", 222 pounds um, out, of, out of Stanford. Kelvin Harmon out of NC State, I think a guy who can make a push to be a first-round pick. He's 6'3", 214 pounds. Um, you know, as you go further down the list, David Sills, 6'4", 210 pounds. Colin Johnson from Texas, 6'6", 230. Um, you know, little Jordan Humphrey. You know, a, a lot of guys, you know, have been talked about already. Um, you know, Lil Jordan Humphrey, 6'4", 225 pounds. And, uh, you know, the junior from Texas, one of the things, you know, in terms of his route running, I think, you know, the, the awareness, you know, to, to know where defenders are on the play and adjusting his route, um, you know, accordingly uh, to get him open and uh, to make plays down the football field. In addition to the body control, he's the guy, if he comes out as a junior, he's going to surprise some people when it's all said and done. People are going to be watching the game film, and I think he's going to be a guy who's going to be rising up draft boards. Then there's Anthony Johnson out of Buffalo. You know, 6'2", 210 pounds. Um, it may be the best group of five wide receiver uh, that we have in this year's draft class. Um, you know, and one of the things that I'll, I'll say about him is, you know, he was slowed this year by, by the hamstring injury, um, you know, in nine games, um, you know, he's actually averaging more yards than he did last season, uh, you know, 19.4 yards per, uh, per reception, nine touchdowns, um, you know, on the year, uh, season ago, 76, you know, passes caught, you know, hundred, uh, I'm sorry, 1,356 yards, 14 touchdowns. Um, you know, just an explosive receiver and that hamstring really hampered him quite a bit, um, throughout the season. But one of the things that, uh, um, you know, I thought was so impressive was he had a 238 yard performance that really kind of set the tone. Um, you know, I think it really said, you know, his emergence announced that he was back and, uh, you know, ready to, to really, um, you know, get going, you know, eight catches, 238 yards, three touchdowns in a win against my, against Miami of Ohio, you know, Buffalo, you know, the way that they have been playing, you know, and it, it, they, they finally lost uh, a heartbreaker there against uh, Ohio. Um, but in that game, let's see, six catches, 95 yards. He's a guy who you, you have to keep an eye on. Um, throughout the season because you know him and uh, and Tyree Jackson have this have this connection and uh, you know now that KJ Osborne the receiver on the opposite side you know has really been able to take off and develop um, when uh, Anthony Johnson went down to that hamstring injury um, you know Buffalo is going to be a team that's going to be fun to watch um, as we get into bowl season But is Anthony Johnson really a guy that's flying under the radar? I mean, people aren't talking about him. I think they've forgotten about him because of the hamstring injury. But um, he's still a guy, I think, in draft circles, you know, that people will be talking about as a potential day two pick. Um, some of the other receivers. You know, let's see. Andy Isabella out of UMass. 
If you've listened to my podcast, you know that this is a definitely a favorite guy, you know, favorite guy of mine. Uh, 5'10", 190 pounds, 102 receptions, over uh, 1,600 yards receiving, uh, 13 touchdowns on the year. Uh, definitely an explosive, explosive receiver. Um, over 300 yards receiving in a game this year already. Um, and, and you know he, he's he's a slot receiver. He's not not the burner that you would expect, especially when you're looking at the numbers. If you're just looking at the numbers and you tuned in expecting to see a guy that's that's flying all over the field, you know you're not necessarily going to see that. But what he is is he's he's one of those slot receivers, a savvy route runner, a guy who knows how to get open, can get open late. I think that's one of the things, one of his his trademarks is, is the ability to get open late. Um, like I said, very sudden, um, reliable receiver. I think he's someone who could be a late day three pick and ultimately be um, one of the uh, favorite targets for for a quarterback there at the next level. So if he's the number one wideout, we've already talked about Antoine Wesley being the number two wideout um, in the country. 1,375 yards, nine touchdowns for the Texas Tech Raiders. Only a junior. Um you know, and, and he could he could use you know a, a few pounds um, you know to be you know six five two hundred pounds has excellent length like I said you know isn't afraid to go over the middle um, a, a weapon that's going to go down down the football field can high point the football adjust well to the ball in the air one of those sleeper receivers if he ends up coming out um, a, a guy who I think can end up moving up draft boards especially if he runs well Preston Williams the the Tennessee transfer. You know, all he's done is is uh, you know catch 84 passes, 190. I'm sorry, 1,097 yards. Um, you know, 11 touchdowns. He's the number six receiver in the country. Um, very physical receiver. You know, he, he's he's a big body guy. Like I said, 6'4", 210 pounds, but uh, just so physical after the catch. You know, he, he's he's a guy who's going to do an excellent job shielding the defender from the football. He goes up and attacks the football in the air. Yet another guy who's not, you know, going to be a downfield threat, but also a weapon in the red zone. Um, you know, Preston Williams to me, you know, I, I wish they would have gotten some better quarterback player there for Colorado State because, you know, Preston Williams is a guy that, uh, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen some, you know, that the masses uh, be able to see Colorado State in a bowl game to be able to watch Preston Williams play. A couple of other names uh, out of Old Dominion. Jonathan Duhart, Travis Fulgham. Um, you know, if you've tuned into some past podcasts, you've heard me talk about them as well. Um, both 6'3", about 210, 215 pounds, both over 900 yards receiving um, on the year, um, and both guys who can stretch the field vertically. You know, I, I think Jonathan Duhart is a guy who wins a lot of those 50-50 balls, and uh, Travis Fulgham's a guy who's, who's going to get vertical, um, tracks the ball well over his shoulder, um, two guys who I think have a definitely have a chance at the next level. If you remember, Zach Paschal came out of Old Dominion um, and, and is playing for the Colts. I, I think Jonathan Duhart, um, to me, is the better pro prospect overall. I think he's got better hands. I think he can make plays after the catch. Um, and, uh, you know, he has a chance to stick with the NFL franchise. I think Travis Fulgham also um, someone to keep an eye on. Um, you know, I think both of them will get invited to some of the All-Star games. Uh, here at the end of the season, two guys that I have, you know, that are penciled in: uh, Keyshawn Johnson out of uh, you know Fresno State, uh, Trevon Brown out of East Carolina. The East Carolina game that I got to watch, um, you know, Trevon Brown didn't really do a whole lot. 
211 pounds. I think he was injured in that game. So I want to go back and watch some of the tape a little bit for him. Keyshawn Johnson, um, 80 receptions, um, you know, over 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns on the year, five games over 100 yards. Um, you know, So I really want to get a chance to watch Fresno State. I haven't really gotten to watch them yet. I've got two or three games that are recorded that uh, I want to make sure that I keep an eye on. I want to watch Marcus McMarion, um, you know, a little bit as well. See, uh, you know, how much he's developed as a quarterback under Jeff Tedford. So we've talked about some of the FBS receivers, but I really want to make sure that we talk about some of the FCS receivers as well. Keelan Doss out of UC, UC Davis, they're the number six ranked team in the FCS playoff. Um, but Keelan Doss, 6'3", 209 pounds, uh, the Walter Payton finalist from a season ago, um, had 115 receptions for 1,499 yards, um, 138.3 yards per game. Um, just unreal what this guy was doing uh, a season ago. And you look at this year, he's 15th in the country, um, You know, 100 receptions for 1,054 yards, 9 touchdowns. Um, just a dynamic receiver. You know, I thought that he had a, had a decent game against Stanford. You know, I think maybe some of that pressure of playing against an FBS program got to him just a little bit. Uh, a couple of balls got into his body, but definitely uh, a longer receiver. Um, you know, a, a guy who can stretch defenses, isn't afraid to go over the over the middle. Big body receiver, as is Emmanuel Butler out of Northern uh, Northern Arizona. Um, this year, just 35 receptions for 600, just over 600 yards, seven touchdowns. Injured all of 2017, uh, but in 2016, um, you know, had uh, over 60 receptions for 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns, um, and then you know, in 2015, over 1,200 yards and 15 touchdowns on the year. Um, you know, another big explosive receiver, as is Cameron Lewis from St. Francis, 6'4", 195 pounds. Um, you know, over 800 yards receiving this year, um, been pretty consistent. You know, you look at 2017, over 900 yards and six touchdowns as well. Um, you know, 2016 was probably his best year, 75 receptions, uh, just under 1500 yards and 11 touchdowns. Um, so we're talking about a lot of bigger receivers. If you look at Davion Davis out of, uh, Sam Houston State, he's six foot, 195 pounds. And all this guy does is catch touchdowns. It seems like, uh, he's got the Chris Carter, uh, syndrome in him, you know, 56 receptions, 100, I'm sorry, 960 yards, 10 touchdowns in 2016, um, over 1200 yards receiving and 17 touchdowns as, uh, as a junior. And then as a senior, 52 receptions, just fifth, uh, 569 yards, with 10 touchdowns on the year. So if you're scoring at home, that's uh 37 touchdowns in just three seasons. Um, so definitely a guy who can find the end zone there. Reggie white, uh, junior, you know, his dad, Reggie, played for the, the Chargers in the Super Bowl, um, playing at Monmouth, 6'3", 210 pounds. Um, you know, a, a, another guy who can find the end zone, you know, 20, um, let's see, 26 touchdowns in his career, um, 71 receptions, over 1,100 yards and 11 touchdowns um, to finish out the 2018 season. Um, and, and like I said, we've been talking about a lot of the bigger receivers, even Davion uh, Davis, you know, at, at six feet. Let's go under six feet, find one of those slot receivers. How about Kelvin McKnight out of Sanford? Um, 5'8", 186 yards. And this guy is just a dy- dynamic, dynamic um, receiver. Um, over 300 yards, or I'm sorry, over 300 receptions, 4,121 yards, 38 touchdowns to his career. Um, they're at Sanford, 100 receptions for 100, um, 
1,453 yards, nine touchdowns, um, you know, as the number two receiver in all of FCS, and one final uh, receiver to to keep an eye on, and that's uh, uh, Jesper Horsted out of out of Princeton, the Ivy League champs. He's six four, two hundred and ten pounds. Um, you know, a, a season ago, um, put up you know twelve hundred and twenty six yards, fourteen touchdowns. Um, this season, you know, seventy two receptions, over a thousand yards again, and, and thirteen touchdowns. Um, so I just gave you, let's see what, you know, eight, let's see, seven, seven receivers there in FCS play. Um, you know, a few of those guys will be actually be, um, in the FCS playoffs. So you'll get a chance to watch some of these guys play. And that's one of the things that I think is, is so exciting about, uh, you know, having the playoff system there in the FCS is that even if you haven't gotten a chance to watch some of these guys play, you'll actually be able to, uh, to tune in, see what's going on, and uh, be able to watch some of these these you know some of these guys play. Um, I know I'll be tuning in. I want to try to catch as many of those games as possible. Tight end position. You know the tight end position is is a, an interesting one. You know we have all of these um, underclassmen. You know, Irv Smith out of Alabama. You know he, he's a vertical threat. Uh, you know, just the, the speed, it, I think, really jumps off the film whenever you watch him play. Um, Noah Fant, another guy who can stretch the field vertically. All that guy does is te- uh, catch touchdowns um, as, as well. Uh, Caden Smith out of Stanford might be one of the more polished blockers of the group. Um, you know, and maybe the best all-around tight end. I think Irv Smith, Noah Fant are two guys that will fit into the passing game at the next level. But I think Caden Smith... Um, from a blocking standpoint, is is really uh, probably the best blocker of the bunch. Um, Albert Oebunum, can't forget about Albert O there at Missouri, uh, 6'5", 255 pound junior, um, was the go-to target for Drew Locke when uh, um, Emmanuel Hall went down to injury. Caleb Wilson, you know, he, uh, the junior there at UCLA, um, you know, 11 receptions in one game. For the Bruins, I think for 161 yards, um, really the go-to target for uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson and uh, Wilton Spates there uh, for the Bruins. Uh, Jay Sternberger, nice story there for Texas A&M, 6'4", 250-pound junior, uh, was a JUCO uh, transfer and was really the third-string tight end, but uh, getting the chance to play and, and really making the most of that for the Aggies. Uh, and then Mitchell Wilcox, you know, from from South Florida, another guy who can stretch the field. Um, all of those guys, I mentioned seven guys, those are all juniors. One more junior who's flying under the radar. How about Jared Pinkney out of Vanderbilt? 6'4", 255 pounds, 41 receptions, 658 yards, six touchdowns on the year. Um, you know, over a thousand yards in his career and 11 touchdowns. Um, you know, Pinkney, you know, is he going to come out after this year? You know, it, it remains to be seen. Um, you know, we have until January to find that out for sure. But uh, someone who I think could sneak in and, and be a guy who could possibly be a, a third, fourth round pick. Who's flying under the radar, though? You know, those are the guys that you really want to kind of kind of keep an eye on. You know, names to to watch out for. We we had Dallas Goddard, who was uh, South Dakota State's leading receiver over the last couple of seasons uh, for the Jackrabbits. Um, how about Donald Parham out of uh, out of Stetson? 6'8", 240 pounds. He's the number three receiver in terms of receiving yards. In just nine games, 85 receptions, 
1,319 yards and 13 touchdowns. Um, you want to talk about a receiving threat. You know, that, that's pretty impressive. Um, so he's a guy that I definitely want to, to keep an eye on. Um, I haven't really gotten a chance to watch Stetson play, obviously, so I want to see if I can get, get my hands on some game film um, and really see what uh, see what he can do. But when you look at those numbers from a tight end, obviously that's going to draw your attention to him. Um, one other guy to keep an eye out for is Logan Parker out of so- uh, Southern Utah, 6'4", 251 pounds. Um, you know, uh, uh, really kind of got everyone's attention as a junior. Uh, 43 receptions, 560 yards, five touchdowns. Um, you know, didn't have the have a big year this year receiving, but uh, pretty good blocking back or blocking tight end, possibly even you know uh, an H back when it's all said and done. One final guy, um, really at the FBS level, is uh, is Keenan Brown. You know, I talked about him when I watched uh, Texas State play, and uh, you know he there's there's definitely something that uh, that jumps out on on the film with him. You know, he's a guy that. Uh, you know, has surprising speed um, for a tight end. You know, he was—he's a guy that uh, you know has, has actually handled the ball, running the football um, for the Bobcats this year. And, and really, he transferred from Ohio, uh, from Oklahoma State, so that he could get that that experience. Just really being the guy at the tight end position. I think he has a chance to get drafted. He's six three, two hundred fifty pounds. May end up being an H back, um, but. Uh, leading the team, 47 receptions, 556 yards, five touchdowns. Mentioned the carries, seven carries for 84 yards. That's a 9.1 average for scoring at home. Two touchdowns. Um, you know, running the football as well. Keenan Brown. If you get a chance to watch any film from Texas State, uh, number six is definitely a guy to watch. So we got through the skill position players. Uh, what do we look at in terms of the offensive tackles? Uh, we're going to go up front, you know, start tackles first, and we'll talk about the interior linemen after that. Uh, the tackle position, one of my favorites to watch is is Max Sharping, uh, 6'6", 311 pounds, one of the more efficient um, offensive tackles uh, in the draft. You know, I, I, you know, he's not the most gifted athletically. He may kick inside to guard. Um, I think he was exposed um, by A.J. Epinesa when – uh, the Huskies took on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, Epinesa, who himself is going to be a draft prospect uh, for next year's draft, um, the big defensive end was just so quick off the football that he really struggled to get off um, out of his stance. But uh, you know, very you know, technically sound um, hand placement. You know, and uh, you know, I think he does a good job moving once he uh, once he squares you up. But, uh, you know, that's really where he gets beat is, is with the speed rush off the edge. If he can get his hands on you, um, then he can either control you and really take you where he wants to go, whether it's up the field or really driving you away from the pocket. Um, you know, Yoshua uh, Nijman, um, 6'6", 314 pounds out of Virginia Tech. A lot of people, um, you know, aren't as high on him as I am. Um, you know, there, there are a couple of, game, uh, couple of game tapes where he... You know, more than held his own. Um, that length that he has, you know, I think that that long wingspan really helps him out. You know, he's able to recover because of that that wingspan. Doesn't open up his hips too uh, too early. Um, you know, and uh, he's he's really a right tackle. When he made that transition from the left tackle position, left tackle to right tackle, I thought that's really where his home is going to be. Uh, he'll be a day three pick, I think, uh, when it's all said and done. Um, Andre Dillard. 
out of Washington State, 6'6", 310 pounds, uh, the senior. He's in my top 10. And uh, just looked at at the, at the website. He'll be in my, my top 10. Um, he, he's a guy that, uh, you know, very light on his feet. You know, I think he's a physical uh, offensive lineman as well. Excellent hand usage. Um, you know, blocking the blind side of, uh, of Gardner Minshew, you know, but I think he's a guy who can, uh, can play at the next level, um, you know, could potentially be a left tackle, probably more like a right tackle, but, you know, we'll see, uh, Calvin Anderson out of Texas, 6'6", 300 pounds. Um, if he doesn't get over his toes and get too far extended, um, you know, where he does have a tendency to lunge at times, um, you know, I, I think he's an athletic tackle, um, someone who's kind of flying under the radar because we're, you know, everyone's talking about Jonah Williams, Greg Little, um, Yodney Kajust, um, you know, even David Edwards, Dalton Riz, uh, Reisner, um, so uh, Caleb McGarry even. Um, so Cal- Calvin Anderson, guy that's kind of flying under the radar there, as is if you're looking for an FCS guy. How about Daniel Cooney out of San Diego? 6'8", 315 pounds. Looking forward to watching him play, um, you know, All-American there at the FCS level. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to watching him. Offensive tackle. You know, when we talk about, you know, and really when we look at the offensive side of the football, we've talked about this being a defensive heavy draft, right? So I think of, you know, when you study the draft and you're looking at things, the receiver position, you know, you know, if you take that as an example, um, you know, three receivers that really are setting themselves apart, you know, with Marquise Brown, you know, Kelvin Harmon, um, I, I think has really kind of moved into that group, and AJ Brown, Nikhil Harry, probably, you know, just out of that mix, you know, possibly there. You know, there's really some concerns with separation. Um, so I think, you know, really Kelvin Harmon um, has kind of moved up into that group with AJ Brown and uh, Hollywood Brown. Um, but if you just remember a couple of years ago, you had Corey Davis at the top with Mike Williams and John Ross. Two bigger receivers, guys that are attacking the football, and then uh, the shorter, speedy back, you know, our speedy receiver, um, you know, with uh, tremendous speed. Obviously, John Ross running the 4 2 2 40. Marquise Brown has the potential to run sub 4 3 as well. Um, the two bigger receivers, Harmon and Brown, you know, reminiscent of, of Corey Davis and, and Mike Williams. So the question is, is, you know, given the fact that we don't have a whole lot of depth. Um, at the top end of the receiver draft. Obviously, there are a lot of receivers that are going to be taken uh, day two and day three, and a lot of guys that uh, I think there's depth right there in that third, fourth, fifth round. You're going to see a lot of receivers taken. But at the top of the draft, there aren't a lot of receivers that you're going to look at and say, these could be potential number ones. Um, Is it possible that you could see these receivers taken higher than, than normal you know, it, it's entirely possible. You know, Mike Williams, you know, obviously he had the next, you know, the, the scare with the neck injury, um, but then he came back for his junior season and put out some pretty good numbers. Corey Davis was the, uh, you know, Eastern, or I'm sorry, Western Michigan's all-time leading receiver. Um, you know, and you, you look at, you know, A.J. Brown, Kelvin Harmon, Marquise Brown, there's a chance, you know, could they be top 20 picks? You know, and and surprise people. Sure, are we going to see him taking in the first, in the in the top ten picks? Not likely. Um, you know, we'll have to see who's there in the in the the top ten. 
But uh, like I said, just given the fact that we don't have much depth at the top, if teams are looking for a receiver, you could see those three three names taken higher in the first round than we would expect. As the same, you know, same goes for the offensive line. You know, the offensive tackle position, Jonah Williams and Greg Little. Um, a lot of people are down on on Greg Little a little bit, but uh, I think the two of them, possibly Yadni could just, and then there's a drop off after them. You know, and obviously Trey Adams, we don't know what's going to happen there from Washington. You know, he had the had the knee injury and now the back injury. So you know, to me, it would behoove him to come back to Washington for the senior uh, senior season, redshirt senior season, and uh, you know, the medical redshirt be able to to come back and really show that he can have a full healthy season. Um, but you know, when you have two or three guys, we saw what happened uh, this past season. With uh, Mike McGlinchey, Colton Miller really set themselves apart as the top two offensive tackles. And what happened? Mike McGlinchey taking number nine overall, and then at number fifteen was Colton Miller. Um, you know, I think there's a chance to have uh, Jonah Williams, Greg Little, and uh, Yanni Kajust all taken in the top probably 15, 16 picks. I, I wouldn't be surprised if all three of them are off the board uh, before we hit number twenty. So that being said, let's go ahead and talk about the offensive guard position. Um, you know, one of the guys for me that kind of stands out is Fred Johnson out of Florida. Nobody's really talking about him. 6'5", 330 pounds. When you put on on the game film, you're watching games. Um, you know, Florida likes to run right, and they run behind Jawan Taylor, uh, the right tackle, um, who's moving up draft boards steadily. I'm looking at my uh, the website, and I don't know why his name is not on my top ten. Um, so I definitely need to get that fixed. But uh, uh, Fred Johnson is, is another guy, though. You know, definitely pulls, gets out in front of of, uh, um, of of the running back. Excellent drive blocker. Very physical at the point of attack. And I think he's underrated. I think he's going to be a third, uh, a day three pick, and a guy who can end up sticking with an NFL franchise. Uh, same goes for Deion Calhoun. Everyone's talking about Elson Jenkins, the center, very athletic, um, and, and rightfully so. And, uh, you know, they're also talking about Daryl Williams on the opposite side, but why not Deion Calhoun? You know, I think he's very physical, does a pretty good job with, you know, when he's pulling, able to locate uh, the the linebacker. You know, they played Arkansas this past week, and uh, he was repeatedly on the pole finding uh, Dijon Harris, their outstanding middle linebacker for the Razorbacks, and, uh, you know, sealing him off, allowing the the running backs, uh, namely uh, Aries Will, uh, Williams, to uh, to run off the block and and pick up some big yardage. So really, when they were having the most success, it was Elston Jenkins and Dion Calhoun who were really opening up the holes. One other name to 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 mention is Larry Allen Jr. Obviously, his dad it was a, a a stud guard there for for Dallas Cowboys for a number of years. Six four, two hundred eighty five pounds. Sat out last season, um, but. Uh, Back there with the with the Crimson, got to watch him play uh, against Yale, and just you know the athleticism really just jumps out at you. You know his ability to get out and pull, very agile, climbs to the to the second level effortlessly. Um, hips very quick, gets around, able to seal off his man. Uh, pretty good drive blocker as well. Little undersized um, at just 285 pounds, but uh, definitely a guy who uh, the athleticism more than makes up for that. So we've gotten through the offensive side of the ball. Um, 
you know, and and really there there's a few other guys that I want to keep an eye on before you know I ultimately um, break them down. But uh, you know, I think that that's a pretty good start in terms of some guys to keep an eye out for. Now, when I talk about the defensive side of the football, you know, and and all the depth, obviously, when we talk about the defensive end position, Nick Bosa um, is the guy that jumps off the off the charts. You know, he, he reminds you a lot of his brother and in a lot of respects is more explosive than his brother. The hand usage, um, just like Joey, um, is is exceptional. Um, you know, if, if Oakland uh, ends up with the number one overall pick, they'd be hard pressed, you know, not to take uh you know Nick Bosa. You know, that's you know, they they've lost Khalil Mack, they need an, uh, a pass rusher. Nick Bosa would be their guy. You know, Montez Sweat. Um, you know, 6'6", 245 pounds from Mississippi State. Reminds you a lot of uh, Daniil Hunter um, at, at LSU. Cleveland Farrell, 6'5", 260 pounds. Pretty good explosion. Does a good job setting the edge as well against the run. Uh, Rashawn Gary out of Michigan. Everyone talks about the athleticism, his ability to dominate one-on-one. But uh, the production is, it, there's really a lot to be desired there. Uh, Zach Allen, 6'5", 285 pounds, excellent length, very active, 100 yard, or I'm sorry, 100 tackles just a season ago. Um, Austin Bryant, probably the the more polished of the two pass rushers there for Clemson. Um, Joe Jackson, um, not as as speedy as some of these other guys. Um, you know, I think a little bit more robotic with his his movement, a little bit stiffer. Um, and then we get to Jalen Ferguson. You know, 6'5", 255 pounds out of Louisiana Tech, um, 42 career sacks. You know, he's he's chipping away at uh, the 43 and a half sacks that, uh, you know, Terrell Suggs has set, at, you know, as the uh, FBS record. There's a good chance Jalen Ferguson, when it's all said and done, is going to go after that. And, you know, I talked about him being very raw as a pass rusher. One of the things, and I'm, I'm anxious to see Louisiana Tech play. I haven't gotten to see them just yet. I want to see if he's cleaned up some of the, the technique. You know, arms flailing a lot of times, you know, just looked to be, you know, very raw a season ago, um, which was really weird because a season before that had uh, 14 and a half sacks. Um, you know, again, this year, 21 and a half tackles for loss, 14 and a half sacks, um, you know, known as the sack master. You know, this is a guy, um, you know, who, you know, really, you know, he, you know, he has a chance because of the production, because of his ability. Um, and he's a guy who has pretty good length. Um, you know, I, I think Jalen Ferguson has a good chance. I'm sorry, he's a sack daddy, not the sack master. Uh, the sack daddy um, has a good chance to end up being a, a day two pick um, and possibly even sneak into the first round at some point. Uh, another name who's not really f- you know, under radar uh, so much, um, but a, a guy who... You know, I, I think will be a day two pick, but uh, could end up being a guy who could sneak into the first round. And that's O'Shane Ziminis, 6'4", 255 pounds out of Old Dominion. You know, if you haven't really gotten to see him play, it's because Old Dominion, the Monarchs, not having a really good year this year. Uh, but 32 and a half career uh, tackles for, uh, I'm sorry, sacks, uh, 32 and a half career sacks and 51 tackles for loss. Um, you know, this year, uh, 18 tackles for loss and 11 and a half sacks. Um, you know, four force fumbles as well. Very explosive off the edge. Um, relentless in his pursuit of the football. Um, he's the guy who I think will be moving up draft boards. Uh, Jonathan, or I'm sorry, Jordan Brailford, 6'3", 250-pound junior from Oklahoma State. Um, you know, a, a guy, 16 sacks, 31 career tackles for loss. 
Um, you know, this year, you know, 16 and a half tackles for loss and 10 sacks. Um, really taking that that next step as a pass rusher um, shows the you know pretty good hips you know coming off the edge. I thought he was more of a power guy, but uh, actually you know shows a pretty good burst, able to bend um, a little bit. I thought he was going to be a little bit stiffer in in the hips, but uh, when I watched him play against uh, OU and, and West Virginia, um, much more fluid of an athlete coming off the edge than I expected. Um, will he come out? That's going to be a big question. But, uh, you know, a guy who's going to be in the mix there, day two, day three, look, you know, at the end of the day, I think Jordan Brailford comes back. Um, If he has a big year, he could be a guy who could be talked about as a potential first rounder. Wyatt Ray out of Boston College, uh, 6'3", 255 pounds, you know, 11 tackles for loss, nine sacks on the year. Um, you know, when you're playing next to Zach Allen or opposite Zach Allen, he's going to get a lot of the attention. But Wyatt Ray definitely showing uh, some speed and burst off the edge. Um, someone who I think could be a day three pick for somebody. Um, a couple more juniors. Um, real quick to talk about uh, Kenny Willickis out of uh, Michigan State and Alton Robinson out of Syracuse. Willickis, 6'4", 250 pounds, uh, 13 and a half sacks in his career, 13 and a half, or I'm sorry, 33 and a half tackles for loss, um, you know, 20 and a half tackles for loss and eight sacks with four pass breakups in 2018. Um, just so fun to watch. He's like the Energizer Bunny, um, much like uh, Jason Winovich at Michigan. Uh, Willickis, so explosive off the football. Um, you know, if an offensive tackle, you know, oversets to take, you know, to compensate for the speed on the outside, he's going to take full advantage of that, get that inside rush, inside path to the running back, makes plays, makes a living behind the line of scrimmage, um, excellent hand usage, and just the, the, the suddenness, the burst, the speed to power, um, definitely a dynamic playmaker, as is Alton Robinson. 6'4", 249 pounds, um, 16 tackles for loss, 9 sacks. Again, with all the depth at the at uh, the defensive line positions, I'd love to see both of those guys come back. They'd have a chance to be first-round picks um, you know, when it's all said and done. Um, give you a, a name who may not, you know, he may not get drafted, maybe a priority free agent, but a guy who may end up sticking with an NFL franchise, and that's uh, Roheem Bingham out of Arkansas State. 6'2", 242 pounds, um, 26 and a half um, tackles for loss in his career, 14 sacks. Um, really in the shadow of, of uh, Javon Roland Jones there at, uh, at Arkansas State, but this past season, uh, 18 and a half tackles for loss, 9 sacks for the Red Wolves, um, and one final name to to point out is Kingsley Kiki, and that's right. You know the the defensive tackle there for for the Aggies uh, of uh, Texas A and M. Uh, Kingsley Kiki's actually dropped weight. He's about six four, two hundred eighty five pounds. He's been playing a three four defensive end that five technique. And I think that's where he'll be at the next level. Um, you know, in in twenty eighteen, you know nine and a half tackles for loss, six and a half sacks. He's showing more explosiveness off the football. I think that that you know dropping weight um, has really done wonders for him, and I think it's actually made him a better pro prospect. Um, someone who I think could be a fourth round pick and uh, be a guy who can actually be pretty productive at the next level. Probably a better pro than he than a college player. Defensive tackle. Obviously, you know, Ed Oliver, Quinnen Williams, uh, Derek Brown, uh, Dexter Lawrence and Christian Wilkins at Clemson, Draymond Jones of, of Ohio State, Jerry Tillery, Jeffrey Simmons. list goes on and on with the defensive tackle prospects. If I'm a junior and I'm looking, you know, I'm, at, I'm a defensive tackle, 
I probably look at coming, uh, you know, staying for my my senior season. There's Raekwon Williams out of Michigan State. He's one guy that stands out in my head. You know, as a junior that should be coming back. Six four, three hundred pounds. Um, you know, an explosive explosive uh, uh, tackle. Twenty and a half tackles for loss. Six sacks. You know, he he has that speed to power. Um, you know, with that burst off the ball and, and can just really manhandle guys at the point of attack. Want to see him come back for a senior season. If he does that, I think he'll be one of the, the top defensive tackle prospects. And then uh, Johanna Gaffon, you know, the, the 6'4", 290-pound defensive tackle from Wyoming, um, had a big year in 2017 with uh, 15.5 tackles for loss, seven sacks, but he's out indefinitely. Suspended indefinitely for two misdemeanor charges of uh, you know, harassment and uh, you know, false imprisonment. Um, with a hotel uh, employee there at, at Fort Collins after they played Colorado State. So, um, you know, Johanna Gaffon, definitely a guy who I was excited about uh, coming into this season. And uh, you know, ultimately, you know, I, I'm not really sure what's going to happen with him, if those charges are going to, you know, if, if uh, you know, he's, he's been charged, but, uh, you know, is ultimately... You know, are they going to be dropped? You know, do we really know what's going on? Uh, we don't at this point because I think it was it all took took place um, a month ago. Um, when everything comes out, you know, is he still going to be with the program? You know, right now he's suspended indefinitely, so um, you know that might be that might be it. You know, for for him as a pro prospect, you know, we'll have to really see. You know, can he get back into the good graces of uh, of NFL scouts because he's he's a tremendous athlete. Um, but uh, the off-field issues, um, especially if you're a guy, you know, who's a borderline, you know, day two, day three guy, um, you know, you had the potential to to challenge for, uh, you know, first, second round. But uh, when it, when his future's in jeopardy, you know, that's really you know going to be a situation to to keep an eye on as we move forward. But the guys that are going to be on the field as seniors coming into this draft. Guys flying under the radar. You know, Gerald Willis has really jumped out and basically declared himself as a as a pro legit pro prospect. Six four, three hundred pounds, really getting his first action. You know, seventeen tackles for loss, three sacks. Really emerged as a you know a guy who's so quick to penetrate the line of scrimmage. Difficult to block him one on one because he's so quick off the football. Very quick first step. Um, Cincinnati has a couple of defensive tackles who I, I think will be drafted. Uh, Cortez Broughton, 6'2", 290 pounds, uh, a guy who, you know, they've been waiting for him to put everything together, and he finally has. 45 tackles on the year, um, you know, 18 and a half tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks. So he's showing the ability to not only be disruptive as an uh, early penetrator against the run, but also can collapse the pocket and uh, get after the quarterback as well. His running mate, Marquise Copeland, 6'2", 287 pounds, lined up mostly over the nose, um, 18 and a half tackles for loss, six sacks in his career, um, and uh, a guy who's just been a steady player. You know, I think Broughton's been the one who's finally putting everything together. Uh, Marquise Copeland's a guy who just continues to make plays uh, year in and year out for the Bearcats. Um, let's see, who else do we have? Chris Slayton out of Syracuse, 6'4", 309 pounds. I think the reason why people probably don't have him as high on the radar um, you know, just in terms of production overall, um, 16 tackles on the year, seven for loss, three and a half sacks. Um, I think Alton Robinson's getting more of the, 
um, more of the focus, really. But uh, he's he's a guy, 29.5 total tackles for loss, 7.5 sacks, so the ability to not only play the run, but also get after the quarterback. Um, very strong at the point of attack. Um, as is, uh, you know, Dale and Mack, you know, 6'1", 320 pounds out of Texas A&M, um, you know, 24 and a half, I'm sorry, 24 tackles for loss, six sacks, um, you know, this year, seven tackles for loss and three and a half sacks. Um, Dale and Mack is just, you know, if you're lining up over him, uh, expect that, that, that quick first step, you know, if that first step gets to you, he's, he's going to be by you. He's going to overpower you and he's going to get into the backfield and he's going to be disruptive against, uh, you know, both the pass and the run. Um, if you're looking at FCS prospects, um, Isaiah Mack out of Chattanooga, 6'3", 305 pounds. Um, you know, if you look at, you know, at what he's done, you know, uh, 78 tackles, 11 for loss, um, eight and a half sacks, you know, this, uh, this past year, just a very explosive, explosive tackle, um, you know, 19 total tackles for loss and 13 and a half sacks in his career. Um, you know, for for Chattanooga. Um, let's see, and then Sterling Shippy out of uh, Alcorn State, six one, three hundred pounds. Um, you know, 12 and a half tackles for loss, seven sacks. Um, I, I, again, if you can get after the quarterback at a defensive tackle position, an interior pass rusher, um, there's going to be value there. I, I think teams are going to look at, at taking a guy who can get after the quarterback from the interior, um, and they're going to select that person you know, much higher than if they're just a run stuffer, you know, a guy who's just going to plug gaps. Um, obviously, there's a place for those guys on any NFL roster, but in terms of value, you know, if you can do multiple things, if you can, you know, both clog the run and also get after the quarterback and collapse the pocket, then your your value and your draft stock is going to increase. Um, so I think you know Sterling Shippy and uh, Isaiah Mack are guys to keep an eye out for. One last name that I forgot to mention when I was talking about FBS players, and that's Daniel Wise out of Kansas, 6'2", 290 pounds, 40 career tackles for loss, 16 career sacks, very explosive off the ball. Uh, I think that's one of the things that you see, the very quick first step, quick penetrator, shoots gaps very well, uses his hands to get off blocks. Um, he's a guy to me, um, you know, even with this loaded defensive tackle class, I think Daniel Wise has a chance to be a, a day two pick linebackers quite a few linebackers that are out there um you know it'd be interesting to see um you know what uh, what teams value most um but uh, some of the guys that might fly under the radar um you know we'll get to them in just a second obviously you have you know josh allen uh, brian burns chase winovich are the outside linebackers that everyone's been talking about like i said don't sleep on O'Shane Ziminis. um i think he'll ultimately play as a stand-up rush and um, he's a guy who can get engulfed by by uh offensive tackles um and so I, I think if you give him some space allow him to come off the edge a little bit um you know at, at outside linebacker that might be the best place for him um, you know, John Ray Walker, Porter Gustin, Anthony Jennings, uh, Justin Hollins, Ben Banigou, uh, Drew Cranquil, you know, round up my top 10 at the outside linebacker position. Definitely some guys who can uh, can get after the quarterback. Um, you know, Justin Hollins is a guy who uh, is pretty versatile as well, can drop into coverage um, and make some plays. Guys flying under the radar. How about EJ AG out of, out of uh, North Texas? 6'3", 230 pounds. 
35 career tackles for loss and 14 sacks. Um, you know, a, a guy the last two seasons, you know, over uh, over 100 tackles. I had 108 a season ago, 102 so far this year. 19 and a half tackles for loss and seven sacks on the year. A guy who can do a little bit of everything. Um, you know, volume tackler, but also a guy who can get after the quarterback. Uh, makes a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, one of my favorite players um, out of uh, Akron, Ulysses Gilbert III. Um, just sounds like an NFL name. Sounds very distingu- uh, distinguished. Uh, 6'1", 230 pounds, 346 career tackles. Here's the deal with with uh, with Ulysses Gilbert. What's so interesting about him is the last two seasons prior to this year, um, you know, 121 tackles in 2016, 2017, you know, 140 tackles, nine and a half tackles for loss. Um, and really, he was a guy who was making plays sideline to sideline. Um, a guy who was flying all over all over the field, a volume tackler, very instinctive, uh, excellent wrap-up tackler. But if you watch Akron this year, and, and you know, and if you're looking at his stats and wondering why he only has 74 tackles, um, you know, seven and a half tackles for loss, two and a half sacks. What's going on uh, with Ulysses Gilbert? Well, he, he's lining up quite a bit in the slot. You, know, you see him out on the perimeter, and that's where he's making a lot of his plays. He's a guy, like I said, can can play sideline to sideline, has excellent speed, uh, and because of that speed, he's able to to drop into coverage. And I think that's one of the things with the NFL moving where it's moving, um, in terms of the passing, uh, pass first, and really a pass happy pass happy league at this point. You need to have some of those linebackers who can run, who can cover out of the um, you know cover. Uh, either running backs, tight ends out of the backfield, even step into the slot and cover slot receivers. And that's exactly what Ulysses Gilbert is doing. You know, I think of guys like Jatavis Brown, um, you know, somewhat undersized um, outside linebackers. You know, Ulysses Gilbert may not get drafted. He may end up being a fifth or sixth round pick um, at, at, at best. But, uh, you know, what will be interesting is, is if he runs well at the combine, there's a chance he could end up running in the four fives. And if that's the case, then he'll definitely um, possibly even make it into the fourth round. But uh, a guy who, to me, I think has starter potential because of uh, his versatility. And speaking of versatility, uh, excellent segue to move into a, a couple of guys that are in Power 5 conferences who I think are kind of just flying under the radar just a little bit. One is Chase Hansen out of Utah, 6'3", 230 pounds, Played quarterback his freshman year, was a DB the last couple of years before transitioning to linebacker this year. 88 tackles, 19 for loss, five sacks, two interceptions, three pass breakups. Doing a little bit of everything for the Utes. Um, definitely, you know, a team captain, a guy who flies around to the football. Um, you know, that that safety mentality that he's bringing to the linebacker position, being able to drop into coverage. Um, you know, I, I think that offer some versatility, you know, also adding the ability to play behind the line of scrimmage. Um, I think that's just going to help him um, when he transitions to the next level. Um, same goes for Jermaine Pratt, 6'3", 240 pounds, um, had been a defensive back there for, uh, for NC State, for the Wolfpack. And, uh, you know, this year really getting his first chance to start, 98 tackles, 10 tackles for loss, six sacks, um, you know, Few pass breakups as well. Um, you know, really getting a chance to to, to shine there um, for the for the Wolf Pack. Let's see. 
getting back to the group of five guys. Uh, Jamal Davis, uh, the second out of out of uh, Akron, 6'4", 240 pounds, uh, was a linebacker his freshman year at Pitt, transitioned to, to Akron where he's been playing defensive defensive end. Uh, 15 and a half tackles for loss in 2017. Uh, so far in 2018, 12 and a half tackles for loss, four sacks, six pass breakups, excellent length, um, uses that to his advantage. He's a guy who could be a day three guy. Um, as is Terrell Hanks, New Mexico State, 6'3", 235 pounds, 369 tackles uh, in his career with the Aggies. Uh, 40 and a half tackles for loss, 10 sacks, eight interceptions, three pass, uh, 13 pass breakups, seven forced fumbles. You know, a guy who just knows how to fill up stat sheets. Uh, it, it's incredible. You know, um, you know, last season, 106 uh, tackles, 13 and a half for loss, seven sacks. Um, you know, just does a little bit of everything. Only played in seven games thus far this year. Um, you know, 79 tackles so far on the year, six tackles for loss. You know, clearly, uh, you know, in terms of the stats, not where the first three seasons were um, with uh, New Mexico State, but was battling an ankle injury. Um, I got to watch him play early on in the year and, and really wherever, you know, wherever the play was going, number two was going to be there. Um, so Terrell Hanks, definitely a guy, you know, should be, you know, an early day three pick. I think he's going to test very well. Um, you know, he should be invited to the combine. I think he'll test very well there. One other outside linebacker, uh, ECU's Nate Harvey. You know, 6'1", 225 pounds. You know, that really what I put in here, you know, was just the fact that this guy, all the sacks that he's racking up, you know, 23 tackles for loss, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, 11 sacks. The former fullback um, moved out, uh, out to, to on the defensive side of the football. Very raw, um, but just so explosive and able to get into the backfield and make plays. Um, you know, someone who could be a developmental prospect, a guy who would probably end up on a, on a practice squad until he, um, you know, can learn more of the nuances of the game, but a guy who could at least be a situational pass rusher, um, for, uh, for a franchise. I'll give you a couple of other names. Um, they're at the FCS level. Um, give me Sterling she- uh, Sheffield out of Maine, 6'2", 240 pounds. Uh, you know, a, a, a guy who just makes a ton of plays. You know, I'm, I'm looking at this and, you know, in 2016, 11 tackles for loss, five sacks, uh, interception, five pass breakups. You know, in 2017, um, another 12 tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, two interceptions, five pass breakups. 2018, 12 tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks, an interception and three pass breakups. So, you know, at the end of the day, this is a guy who just fills up the stat sheets, 15 pass breakups at the uh, linebacker position, and, uh, you know, 21 and a half sacks, 38 and a half tackles for loss in his career. Um, just a guy who just continues to fill up the stat sheet. And, uh, you know, someone, look, he's 6'2", 240 pounds, definitely has a size to uh, to play linebacker at the next level. Uh, the question is really going to be, you know, how does he time? Um, you know, I want to see what he can do also at, at some of the all-star games. Uh, he and both, uh, both he and uh, Caden Ellis, um from Idaho, 6'3", 240 pounds. Um, this is a guy, you know, in just seven games this year. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, let's see. In 2018, 15 tackles for loss, seven sacks, um, you know, two pass breakups. Um, 
a guy who just makes plays all over the football field. You look at, you know, he's another guy. You look at the stats and, uh, you know, last two seasons, um, looks like 31 tackles for loss uh, and 13 sacks, six pass breakups, you know, and that's just in the last two seasons. Um, also, you know, 10 receptions. Um, they put him on the offensive side of the football. Uh, 10 receptions um, over, let's see, over 170 yards, a couple of touchdowns on the year for Caden Ellis. Um, 6'3, 240 pounds. Another guy, again, you know, how's he going to time? Um, that's really going to be one of the biggest questions, you know, because then, you know, that, that'll give you the first indication. And then you'll also want to see the hips. How stiff are, you know, are the hips? Is he going to be able to drop into coverage um, or is he not? You know, he has, um, you know, made some plays on the football. I think Sterling Sheffield, just looking at some of the stat lines, um, you know, I would anticipate Sterling Sheffield a little bit more of a, a fluid athlete than, than Caden Ellis. Um, you know, I'm going to see if I can get my hands on some game film. Um, of both Idaho and Maine, and uh, you know, see for myself really what uh, what these guys are capable of. But uh, Maine, if I'm not mistaken, is in the FCS. Yeah, they're the number seven ranked team. Um, looks like they'll be playing on December first. They'll get to play the winner of Jacksonville State and East Tennessee State. So you get a chance to watch Sterling Sheffield in that game. I know I'll be tuning in for that. Inside linebackers, um, you know, Khalil Hodge out of Buffalo. You know, yes, the there's another uh, Khalil um, coming out of the Buffalo Bulls. Um, and, uh, you know, Khalil Hodge is not like uh, Khalil Mack, the, the dynamic pass rusher. Um, but at 6'1", 235 pounds, a volume tackler in just three seasons with the Bulls, 398 tackles, 20 and a half going for loss, five and a half sacks, three interceptions, five pass breakups, um, you know, 123 tackles. Uh, as a sophomore, 153 as a junior. Um, you know, now he's at 122 so far for this year. Just a guy who seems to always, you know, have a nose for the football. You know, makes plays. You know, sideline to sideline. I think he's, you know, probably best. You know, between the tackles. Um, you know, a, a guy who I think is going to have to prove that he can play in coverage. I think he's a little stiff in the hips, and I think that's going to. You know, he's really going to have to prove that he can be a three-down linebacker and not just a guy who's going to have to be taken out. Um, on passing downs, but uh, one of my favorite players to watch. Um, then there's Ben Burkirvan at a at a UW. You know, six foot, two hundred twenty one pounds, and uh, you know, three hundred seven tackles in his career. But uh, you know, one hundred forty five of those just coming here in twenty eighteen. Just uh, the Energizer Bunny just flies around to the football. Undersized inside linebacker, but it. A guy who I think has a chance to end up being a, a day two pick when it's all said and done. Again, with the way that the game is going in terms of you know needing some of those linebackers who can run, Ben Burkirvan definitely fits the bill. One one guy that I, I really feel bad for is Aziz Alshire out of uh, Florida Atlantic. 6'2", 230 30 pounds, 395 tackles, uh, 31, and a, 31 for loss, 7.5 sacks. Um, you know, a guy... In 2016, 2017, over 100 tackles, um, you know, and through six games, you know, had 43 tackles, was well on his way to uh, um, another, you know, potential 100 tackle season. Tore his ACL and his MCL um, out for the season for the Owls. Um, you know, he was one of the better middle linebackers um, in, in college football um, over the last couple of seasons. 
And, uh, you know, this season cut short for him due to the knee injury. So, you know, in terms of having that ACL tear um, come after just six six games, um, you know, when it comes time for the pre-draft process, you know, he, he likely will not be able to participate, you know, which is definitely a bummer for him. FCS guys, let's see. How about Troy Reader out of Delaware? 6'3", 245 pounds um, so far this year, 110 tackles, 11.5 for loss, uh, 2.5 sacks um, on the year. Delaware, oh, by the way, they are also in the in the playoff. I think I mentioned that they are taking on James Madison um, on the 24th of November. Um, tune into that game if you can. Watch Troy Wheat. Troy Reader play there at the inside linebacker position. Another name to, to be on the lookout for is Thomas Costigan out of Bryant. Yeah, I, I, I haven't gotten a chance to watch him play yet, but I, I do want to see if I can I can get my hands on the game film because, you know, just looking at the stat line, very interesting. 283 tackles, uh, 46.5 for loss, 26 sacks, 13 forced fumbles, 9 pass breakups, 3 interceptions, um, you know, 101 tackles so far this year, uh, 14 tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, uh, a guy who just seems to be making plays all over the football field. Again, you know, you look at the level of competition and, and you question that, but, you know, if he gets invited to some of the all-star games, then um, you really get to see, you know, the level of play there. We're getting into the home stretch, going through the, the these players, uh, and when we talk about the cornerback position. Um, let's see. You know, corner. Obviously, you've got Greedy Williams, uh, DeAndre Baker, um, sitting at the top of that group. Um, you know, Trayvon Mullen from Clemson, uh, Damon Arnett um, uh, of Ohio State, Julian Love from Notre Dame, Chris Boyd, all potentially being in that 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 uh, mix for the number three corner taken. Um, you know, I think Bryce Hall's definitely helped himself. The 6'1", 200-pound junior um, from Virginia, um, definitely a guy who's rising up some draft boards, showing off some incredible ball skills. Uh, he's actually leading the, the nation in uh, um, passes defended per game, 1.9 passes defended per game, 21 total on the year, um, you know, 19 pass breakups to go with two interceptions on the year. So Bryce Bryce Hall is the guy to uh, to be on the lookout for with the pre-draft process. Um, Trayvon Mullen, you know, 6'2", 190 pounds, excellent length, um, but a guy who I think gets gets turned around a little bit too often. Um, I think he's definitely coming out, um, but. Uh, if I remember correctly, when I look at Trayvon Mullen and his stats, you know, it's kind of the same thing that you worried about with uh, Mackenzie Alexander coming out. You know, um, you know, he did have three interceptions um, in his sophomore season, but you know, freshman year and, and so far in, in 2018. Um, no interceptions. Obviously, you've got A.J. Terrell on the opposite side, but he's seen some passes thrown his way. Um, you know, you, you really just wonder about, uh, you know, the, the ball skills a little bit. He definitely has the size, but, you know, seven pass breakups in his career, three interceptions all in one season. Um, you know, that's really, I think, um, you know, the ball skills, you really want to see that jump off. And, uh, you know, granted, 
teams are going to be looking at throwing opposite and, and away from him. But uh, you know, the, the question is, is, is can he really make plays when that football is there in the air? We know Julian Love can out of Notre Dame. Uh, 20 pass breakups a season ago, 14 already this year, 37 so far for his career. Not not as tall as uh, as Trayvon Mullen. I think that's one of the things that people fall in love with is is, is the size. You know, Amani Oruwariye for me, um, I, I would prefer him to Mullen just based on the fact that he is so physical. You know, he and Chris Boyd. You know, Boyd's six foot, one hundred ninety five pounds. He'll get beaten from time to time, but um, just the physicality with which they both play. They want to get their hands on you. They want to jam you at the line of scrimmage. And uh, you know, as long as you know those hands don't stay on the receiver when the ball's in the air. Um, you know, I think they could definitely be very effective. So, you know, that, that's, I, I think right now there's, there's a lot of question as to who's going to be number three behind Greedy and, uh, and DeAndre Baker out of Georgia, you know, Byron Murphy out of Washington, you know, the redshirt sophomore, uh, there's a good chance that he comes out after this year. Um, definitely a tremendous athlete, a guy, you know, the ball skills are evident, but, uh, I'd love to see him come back for another year. Yeah, I really would. You know, I, I think Byron Murphy. You know, I've seen seen him make some big plays. I've also seen him get burned, and uh, you know, he, he to to his credit, he's done a good job learning from those. Uh, Nineteen pass breakups uh, in, in his career thus far. Um, you know, actually four tackles for loss uh, this past season. Um, you know, and, and twelve pass breakups. So he's definitely progressing. Um, you know, with his uh, you know, with his play. Um, three interceptions in his career, so you know again, you know not only is he is he making a play on the football, but he's also picking off passes and and changing uh, flipping the field uh, for the Huskies. Um, but to me, when I look at some of these other guys, a little bit more polish. He may be a better athlete than a lot of these guys, but I think you know that polish. That's really what you want to see out of that cornerback position. Um, someone who I think could down the road be uh, a lockdown corner on the outside. So some guys flying under the radar. Um, you know, let's see. You know, you've got Rock Yasin out of out of uh, Temple, 6'1", 190 pounds. Don't really think he's flying under the radar per se. Um, you know, obviously when you've got uh, you know, double digit pass breakups on the year uh, and a couple of interceptions, excellent length. Um, you know, to him as well. I'm uh, not really a guy who's flying under the radar necessarily, but when you've got some of these other guys at the position, he's might be one of those forgotten guys at uh, at the cornerback position. Um, you know, another guy to to keep an eye out for is uh, is Montre Hardage out of Northwestern, six one, 195 pounds, 168 tackles in his career, eight interceptions, 26 pass breakups. Um, you know, not the best athlete at the cornerback position, but definitely a, you know an intelligent you know. Um, Playmaker, you know, ball skills. You know, he's he's a sure tackler in the open field as well. You know, a guy who you know is going to be a number one, but I think he'd be a good number three corner. Um, you know, can get physical when he needs to. Um, probably going to be a day three pick, but uh, someone who I think is going to stick with an NFL franchise. Uh, Derek Beatty out of Kentucky, six uh, three, hundred eighty six pounds, big physical um, corner. Six interceptions, 29 pass breakups. Um, you know, a guy who, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if he can, you know, prove to be able to uh, 
turn and run with receivers? Can he stay in phase? Um, you know, he obviously has the length. Does he have the makeup speed? You know, those are questions that I, I don't necessarily know that I have the answer to um, right now. But those are some of the questions. You know, he he definitely has good size. He can definitely make some plays on the football. Possibly a safety um, in his future at the next level. Um, Jamal Peters out of Mississippi State, 6'2", 218 pounds. He's actually proven, you know, I, I was watching uh, the game against Arkansas. He was beaten by uh, Deion Stewart, but showed the ability to make up the ground and uh, make a play on the football. He's somebody to keep an eye out for just because of that length again. Um, you know, But I just don't know how he and Beatty are going to run, and really you want to watch those hips. You know, if they're stiff in the hips, they're probably going to end up making a transition to the safety position. Let's see. We got a couple of juniors uh, to keep an eye out for. Um, Justin Lane out of Michigan State, probably the best of the bunch, 6'3", 185 pounds, three interceptions, uh, 22 pass breakups um, in his career. Um, very athletic. You know, he's a guy who's playing on both sides of the football for the Spartans, um, but a guy who's physical, wants to get his hands on you. But uh, also does a really good job, you know, playing in phase and, and can get his hand in and make a play on the football. Um, he's a guy that uh, if if he does come out, you know, he's someone to watch out for and may end up rising up draft boards. Uh, Isang Bassey out of uh, out of Wake Forest, 5'10", 185 pounds, a guy who just knows how to make plays on the ball. Um, you know, in the last two seasons. Uh, 32 pass breakups, four interceptions, um, you know, and a guy, like I said, just flying under the radar. He, he, he will get turned around. He will get beat at times. He likes to gamble, but, uh, like I said, knows how to make a plays on the ball. And if you've got those ball skills, you know, that that's something that's going to translate to the next level. So when we talk about ball skills, who's leading the the country in interceptions? It's Hamp Cheevers out of BC. Um, you know, 5'10", 180 pounds, only a junior. I'd love to see him come back for his uh, his senior season. And the, really, the biggest reason why is is he's he's the the risk taker, the gambler, uh, a guy who you know wants to take chances, gets burned because of it. Um, you know, kind of reminds me a little bit of of, of Joshua Jackson out of uh, out of Iowa. Uh, in this past draft, a guy who wanted to make, you know, made plays on the ball, was leading the the, the country in, in interceptions, but, uh, you know, because he took a lot of chances, he also got burned quite a bit. Um, so that's one of the things I'd love to see Ham Cheevers come back, work on that a little bit, and uh, potentially be a top prospect in next year's draft. couple of names to mention. At the FCS level, uh, Jimmy Moreland out of J- uh, James Madison, maybe my favorite uh, cornerback prospect in this entire draft. 5'11", 180, uh, 175 pounds, uh, really given a second chance. He was kicked off the team by Everett Withers in, in 2015, um, was back in 2016, and, and this is a guy who set the school record for interceptions. 18 total interceptions um, on the you know, in his career. Um you know what's crazy is he has 62 pass breakups. You know in total as well. The ball skills are evident. You know he was playing opposite Rashad Robinson, who went down um, with a torn ACL before the season began, and it's really been on uh, Jimmy Moreland to to be the guy in the secondary. Um, 
for James Madison, and uh, he's definitely delivered. You know, very very slight. You know, like I said, 5'11", 175 pounds, um, but the ball skills definitely there. Um, and uh, you know, reminds me a little bit of, of Perry Nickerson. You know, in that you know, just the fact that they they are so slight, but excellent ball skills. I think Jimmy Moreland will get drafted on day three. But uh, he definitely has potential to uh, uh, to see field uh, see the field early in his career. Uh, Nasir Adderley out of uh, out of Delaware, six foot, two hundred twenty pounds. Um, another guy to to really keep an eye out for. Uh, Thirty one pass breakups, ten interceptions in his career for the Blue Hens. Um, and one last name, uh, Jordan Brown out of South Dakota State. Uh, 6'1", 200 pounds a season ago, 12 pass breakups, three interceptions through seven games this year, five pass breakups and two, uh, two interceptions. Um, another, you know, dynamic playmaker on the outside, um, for the Jackrabbits. Um, and then finally the safety position, you know, I think when you look at the safeties and you talk safeties, um, there are four guys that have really set set themselves apart from everybody else, and that's Deontay Deontay Thompson out of Alabama, a guy who's shown that he can play both up up at the line of scrimmage and uh, you know as a, as a center fielder. That's really where he's made uh, you know the, the biggest impact. You know, really just you know the amount of ground that he's able to cover to get from the the wide side you know of, of the field and get over to the sideline and make a play on the football. Taylor Rapp, another guy who can play in the box, can play deep. Um, you know, six foot, two hundred twelve pound junior out of Washington. Uh, Jonathan Abram out of Mississippi State. Um, you know, was just all over the field against Arkansas a week ago. Um, you know, a guy who can um, you know plays in the box um, versus the run very well, but uh, you can blitz off the edge and um, you know is it, just so physical. I think that's one of the things. He's an intimidating presence sitting there in the secondary. I think a lot of receivers hear the footsteps. And then Chauncey Gardner Johnson, a very steady performer there for Florida, um, you know, follows in the in the footsteps of uh, of Marcus May and uh, Keanu Neal there uh, at safety for the Gators. Uh, anticipate the the four of them will be the top four safeties off the board uh, when it's all said and done. A few other safeties to keep an eye out for: uh, Sidarius Rookard out of Troy, six one, two hundred five pounds, uh, nine interceptions, ten uh, pass breakups in his career. Um, also a, a punt returner. Um, you know, took one to the house for, uh, for the Troy Trojans. Um, let's see, Darnell Savage out of Maryland, 5'11", 200 pounds, um, you know, eight interceptions and, uh, 13 pass breakups, um, to his credit, um, you know, a little undersized there at the safety position, but a guy who can definitely make some plays. Um, and then I'll give you one other name, um, to be on the, on the lookout for, um, and that is, let's see, who do I want to go with here? Uh, Marvin Tillman. Let's go with him out of Western Carolina. The, the Catamounts, a free safety, 288 tackles, um, you know, in the last two seasons, 181 total, um, you know, 10 pass breakups, eight interceptions, seven of those coming in the last two seasons. Um, you know, definitely a guy, 6'1", 195 pounds, um, you know, Shows off some pretty good ball skills, um, so that's going to be you know something that you're going to want to look out for, especially if he gets invited to some of the All Star games. And I think he will. Um, you know, I don't know if he'll get uh, invited to the Senior Bowl, but at least you know to the East West Shrine game and uh, a good showing there could end up getting an invite to the Senior Bowl when it's all said and done. So those are some of my guys that are flying under the radar as we get into more of the 
pre-draft process. We'll be able to break some of these guys down a little bit more. Some of the FCS prospects, you really want to see what they can do, um, you know, playing against some of the FBS guys, um, especially at the Senior Bowl when you get some of the one-on-one matchups. That's really where you get to see um, what they can do. Cooper Cup, I'll never forget uh, watching him senior bowl coverage and nobody could nobody could cover the guy you know ran a 4 6 40 at the combine but uh you know he just had a knack for for running routes you know able to get that release so sudden off the line nobody was able to cover this guy and obviously it translates to the uh translated to the next level only other thing that i wanted to bring up is the fact that we've got week 13 just a couple of weeks to go uh, before we get into bowl season. Uh, but let's take a look at week 13 real quick. Some games to be on the lookout for. Um, early games this week. Let's see. Uh, Miami of Ohio, Gus Ragland. Um, you know, 2,388 yards, 16 touchdowns on the year. Um, you know, he and uh, Miami of Ohio taking on Ball State um, on, on Tuesday. Uh, Northern Illinois take it on Western Michigan. You get to see Max Sharping in that game. Um, let's see. Thanksgiving Day, uh, you got the Egg Bowl. Um, you know, playing in, in Vaught Hemingway. Um, you know, number twenty-one ranked uh, Mississippi State. You know, you'll be able to watch uh, Montez Sweat, Jeffrey Simmons taking on the likes of, uh, of of Greg Little. Really, I'd love to see that matchup. If you can get Montez Sweat and Greg Little matched up one-on-one, that'll be a fun fun matchup to watch. Um, obviously, on the interior, you'll have Jeffrey Simmons getting after uh, Jordan Ta'amu, um, you know, who you know, by the time this game's done, he'll end up being a 4,000-yard four, uh, 4, passer on the year. Friday, quite a few games. It was a full slate of games there. Um, I'm going to watch uh, Buffalo take on Bowling Green. Um, nine and two record there has a chance to, to be a ten win team. They're six and one in the MAC play. Um, obviously, you've got uh, Ty, uh, Tyree Jackson and, uh, and and Anthony Johnson. But with Anthony Johnson having that hamstring injury, um, you know Jarrett. Jarrett Patterson, Kevin Marks at the running back position, a couple of freshman backs, uh, and K.J. Osborne at the receiver position, um, really been able to step up um, and make some plays. Now that Anthony Johnson is back, they have a really explosive offense. Um, you know, Chuck Harris at the defensive end position is a guy um, who's been, uh, been been turning some heads, you know, making some plays there up front for uh, for the Bulls. Um, Memphis at home against Houston. You know, it'll be interesting to watch Daryl Henderson take on uh, Ed Oliver if he plays. Obviously, you know, there was the the altercation that, that Ed Oliver had um, with head coach Major Applewhite on the sideline over the, the jacket that he was wearing. Um, only active players were supposed to be wearing those jackets and um, being an inactive player with the knee injury. And, and you know, I, I, I think... You know, hearing some people talk about Ed Oliver, this was a guy who very rarely came off the field, and uh, you know, hearing people question whether or not he's coming out there, obviously they might have some th- something to do with it. But this is a guy who very rarely came off the field. Not over ninety percent of the snaps, this guy was out on the football field, and that uh, was very durable. This is really his first injury. That might be part of the reason why he's not rushing to get back, is it's really the first injury that he's had in college. That's actually 
cause him to miss some time. Um, but uh, I hope that he does get a chance, you know, to play there against Memphis because I really want to see what Daryl Henderson can do against uh, against Ed Oliver. Let's see, Missouri, uh, seven and four Tigers taking on Arkansas. Uh, get to see Drew Locke. Uh, Emmanuel Hall, hopefully he gets to play some more out there on the outside. Um, let's see, Virginia, Virginia Tech. Um, that's always an exciting game. You'll have the Civil War in Oregon, Oregon taking on Oregon State. Um, UCF taking on USF um, at Raymond James Stadium. Uh, UCF looking to pull off uh, another perfect season. Um, OU traveling to Morgantown. Um, late game, the night game there at uh, there in Morgantown against West Virginia. Uh, Will Greer against Kyler Murray. That'll be a fun contest. Will there be any defense played? That's going to be a huge question mark. Um, and then obviously you've got the Apple Cup uh, to close things out for the night. Uh, Washington, number 18 in the country, taking on the number 8 Washington Cougars. Uh, Ken Wazoo um, clinch the uh, the Pac-12 North and uh, you know ultimately they're they're likely going to represent the Pac-12 in the uh, in the group of six bowls. Let's see, Michigan, number four ranked uh, Wolverines traveling to uh, the Horseshoe, taking on the Ohio State, uh, number ten ranked. Um, Ohio State Buckeyes, you know, really wanted to see what uh, Dwayne Haskins do against that defense. When you've got Rashawn Gary, you've got uh, you know Chase Winovich, you got you know Devin Bush. You know, those are three guys who could all be um, first round picks. I think Devin Bush and Rashawn Gary are almost locks to be first rounders, and then I think Chase Winovich has a chance to sneak his way in there as well. Um, really want to see what they can do if uh, Michigan. Um, shuts down the run, forces Dwayne Haskins to beat him with the arm. Um, you know, I, I think ultimately Michigan ends up coming away with W. Syracuse traveling to Chestnut Hill, taking on the number twenty ranked Boston College Eagles. Um, you know, Syracuse coming off the the shellacking there against Notre Dame at Yankee Stadium. Um, you know, if you haven't gotten a chance to watch AJ Dillon play. Um, dynamic running back, excellent speed and, and power. One of those guys um, who's going to be talked about in that, that running back class that also has you know DeAndre Swift, um, potentially Elijah Holyfield, some of the juniors in this year's class that may may come back. Um, you know, and uh, Cam Akers from Florida State is another guy. You know, a lot of dynamic backs that'll be uh, in consideration for next year. In Syracuse, you know, they have uh, a receiver kind of flying under the radar. Didn't mention him in, in uh, my segment earlier, but Jamal Custis, you know, he's a he's a big guy. He's 6'5", 213 pounds, probably runs, you know, in the 4'4 to 4'5 range, um, a vertical threat on the outside. You know, don't really see him running too many other routes, you know, basically more of a perimeter guy outside the numbers, but a guy who can go up and, and get the football and make plays down the football field, stretches defense quite a bit. Um, <clears throat> one game I'm going to make sure that I tune in and watch is uh, Louisiana Tech taking on Western Kentucky. Obviously, Western Kentucky, Mike Sanford, really struggling there with the Hilltoppers. But I want to see uh, you know Jalen Ferguson play. Uh, that'll be my first chance to watch them. Um, Bulldogs, 7-4 and four on the year, 5-2 and two in Conference USA play. Let's see. 
what else do we have? Ryan Finley taking on UNC. Um, get to close out his career there with uh, the Wolf Pack during the regular season. Um, let's see. Stanford traveling to the Rose Bowl, taking on a UCLA team that uh, has a ton of confidence. Um, let's see. What else do we have? Auburn traveling to Tuscaloosa, taking on Alabama. Um, really want to just, I kind of want to see what Auburn up front, you know, if they can put any pressure on Tua, um, see if uh, if they can wreak some havoc there. You know, uh, Derek Brown on the interior of that line, you know, uh, really getting after things and really want to see what Nick Coe, if he can, if he can get by Jonah Williams. It's going to be one of the bigger tests for Williams um, on the outside. If Nick Coe can get around the edge and uh, you can get a push from, from Derek Brown, then they could, um, you know, put some pressure there on, on Tua. Um, you know, offensively, though, with Jarrett Stidham, that defense, I can almost guarantee you they'll score at least one or two touchdowns against uh, against Auburn and ultimately come away with the win. What else do we have here? As I scroll through here. Vanderbilt, 5-6. and six. Tennessee, 5-6. and six. Winners bowl eligible. The loser, obviously, for the losing season. Um, you know that's where Keyshawn Vaughn, um, you know, nine hundred seventy-six yards, so uh, just twenty-four yards away from a thousand-yard season for the Commodores. Um, you know, very explosive. Um, another receiver, uh, Kalijah Lipscomb, only a junior, will be coming back to Vandy, um, but uh, you know, a good possession receiver um, there. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to to watch that unfold. Um, obviously, Clemson, South Carolina, big rivalry matchup. Um, South Carolina has a has a solid defense. You know, I, I don't know that Jake Bentley is going to be able to um, outplay the, the Clemson defense. But what will be interesting is watching Brian Edwards, Debo Samuel, uh, go against that secondary there for Clemson. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, South Carolina can make some plays against the defense. Um, but at the end of the day, I think Clemson will be a little bit too much for them. As we get through the rest of this, let's see. LSU taking on uh, Texas A&M, traveling to Kyle Field with the 12th man. Um, you know, Travion Williams you know, going up against that LSU defense. Um, you know, that'll be fun to watch. Notre Dame traveling to L.A., taking on USC. Um, you know, the, they're one game away from almost solidifying themselves for the college football playoff. USC needs to win the game to be bowl eligible and, and not be – uh, not have a, a losing season. Um, you know, I, I think a losing season should mark the end of, of the Clay Helton era at USC. So uh, Notre Dame's hoping to uh, deliver on that. Um, let's see what else we have. Utah taking on BYU. Um, you know, they're at home. 19th ranked uh, Utah Utes. They've got the late game. Let's see. And then, you know, one of the probably least talked about games, but uh, probably one of the more exciting is going to be Utah State against Boise State. Up on the blue turf, Albertson Stadium in Boise, Idaho. Boise State, number 25 in the country, playing host to the 23rd ranked Utah State Aggies. Um, you know, the 
the Broncos nine and two on um, on the year, six and one in Mountain West play. Uh, Utah State uh, ten and one, seven and zero in Mountain West play. Um, you know Brett Rippin, you know a quarterback there for for Boston, or I'm sorry at Boise State. Um, Ale- Alexander Madison running the football as well. Um, should be should be a lot of fun. Should be a, a you know. A, a, a game to kind of keep an eye on. Um, you know, I think what Matt Wells is doing there at, at Utah state, you know, he's really turned in some heads. Um, you know, one name to kind of keep an eye on there, you know, Utah receiver, Utah state receiver, Ron Quavian Tarver, um, you know, is a, is, is a guy who I think could end up being a pro prospect when things are all said and done right now, Boise state, I think is, is favored to win that game. But, uh, you know, that's the thing that, uh, Matt Wells, um, you know, he's been proving people wrong and, you know, a 10-win team there at, at Utah State, um, you know, I, I think he's making making some history here, um, you know, with the with the Aggies. Um, you know, if he goes 11-1, ends up going 8-0 there in, in Mountain West play, obviously, then they, they'd have the, the uh, Mountain West Championship and then, uh, you know, go into a bowl game you know, they have a chance when it's all said and done for 13 wins I mean that'd be impressive and I think Matt Wells um, you know should be seeing his name pop up on some power five conference team you know their their wish list for uh, for a head coach um, during this next bout of uh, the, the college football carousel coaching carousel when it's all said and done so that's week 13 Hard to believe that we're already at week thirteen. You know, this is uh, the end of, of episode thirteen of the Ready for the Draft podcast. You know, whether you're listening to it on uh, iHeartRadio, um, iTunes, or any of the other providers, I, again, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to me. Uh, again, this is the madness that it that you know is my passion. You know, I enjoy breaking down the NFL draft, taking a look at the 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 pro prospects, and. Uh, you know, all the game film, you know, I'm over, over 150 games watched. And, uh, before the end of the year, I will have watched all 130, uh, FBS programs. And, uh, with the FCS playoffs, you know, hopefully I'll be, be watching about a dozen or so, um, FCS, uh, schools play. So, you know, the goal, goal is definitely to, uh, get through as many games as possible, um, before we really get into the pre-draft process, you know, obviously I want to make sure that, um, you know, I, I bring my weekly podcast to you and, uh, hopefully you've enjoyed, uh, this latest segment and, uh, you know, we'll tune in next week. Um, you know, obviously we've got, uh, Thanksgiving coming up, you know, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll try to bring, uh, bring the next podcast here within the next week. You know, it's a one man show here, you know, you're, 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 talking to the the editor and uh the director the producer um and, and the on-air talent so um you know really uh try to try to put it together here um over the next week obviously with thanksgiving in the way um you know probably try to get it to you here at the end of the week but uh again hope you've enjoyed the podcast until then enjoy the rest of the rest of your week. Obviously, it's the beginning of the week. Hopefully for you, it's a short week. You have a long weekend because of the holiday. Um, but until next time, everyone, thank you once again for joining. This is Greg Shoots, ready for the draft, readyforthedraft.com. I am out of here. Take care, everyone.